Okay, so this is our weekly Bible study for January 14th, 2007. And uh, we're going to just cover some different things today, um, like we normally do. When I was awoken today, uh, my alarm clock, um, normally the preaching's pretty apostate, if I haven't said on a Christian radio station. Um, Ravi Zacharias was on, and um, he, he, there's some good things that, that, uh, that you know, he gets into. Again, these are preachers that don't have any comprehension of 501c3 churches and what Bible you should be reading and those types of things, which to me are absolutely, totally foundational. But a lot of times there's some nuggets you can glean out of there. And um, he said a lot of really profound things right at the end of the message. And I was trying to uh, remember them, and then I, I transposed them on my voice recorder. And um, he said that when, um, and this is true, he says when, when you get to, if, if you get to heaven, <laughs> um, and most people aren't, because the Bible says, narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal, few there be that find it. But he says that when you get there, if you're a saved Christian, it's not going to be, the, the world judges you by how many people are serving you, you know? But on the other side, what it's going to be is how many people did you serve? It's just something to think about. And it's true, because Jesus even said, I, you know, I came not to, to, uh, um, to, to um, be served, but as a servant. And he was our example. So, um, the greatest among them will, will be the, the, your servant, you know. Um, those that are, those that are uh, there's Bible verse after Bible verse where you can confirm this. Those that were... Um, uh, first here in this world will be last, and those that were last in this world will. Be, and, and again, you look at uh, you can look at um, the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had everything here on this earth. Verily, he had he had his portion here on this earth, and Lazarus was comforted in heaven. And the rich man lifted up his eyes in in hell, being in flame and torment. So these are things that are, that are interesting to think about, um, and they're totally opposite of what the worldview is, absolutely diametrically opposed, you know, to that. And then he also said that something else that I thought was pretty profound, that he, and, and I don't think you can be absolutely 100%, but there's no exceptions to this rule, but it does, I think it does bear up under the vast majority of the way you could look at this, and he, he said something to the effect that revealed truth. Now, this is, this is revealed truth. This is truth that you have seen. It's been revealed to you. Because the Bible says the prince of this world has blinded their minds that they do not see. Their eyes and their minds. So, that's why most of the people are in walking around in total... Um, total... You, you look at people... We, we come here week after week and we get into this type of information and you marvel at the fact, how could the world be so deceived? How could the church, the, the, what they call the church, be so deceived? And yet, I believe the prince of this world has blinded their eyes and they are willingly ignorant. And their consciences have been seared with a hot iron. And they have given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And yes, this is all the truth. But revealed truth um, is dependent on righteous living. And I'm talking about real, real revealed truth that you apply, re- revealed biblical truth. But there's also other truth that 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 you could be made aware of, like 
a lot of people don't believe, and this isn't necessarily biblical truth, although it doesn't line up with the Bible, a lot of people don't believe there's a lot of bad things coming to this country. Oh no, they've been saying that for years, never going to happen, ever. But yet the handwriting is so on the wall. I mean, and yet a lot of people just refuse to believe it. It's as though they've been blinded. Many of those people are of the so-called pseudo-church. Well, doesn't that line up with, with the book of La La um, Revelation, the Laodicean church in chapter 3, that they're blind, wretched, they're blind, wretched, weak, and naked, and yet they think they're in need of nothing. But they don't even know that they're in this condition. That is the state of the church in the day and time we're living in. Now, I'm not saying that a modern-day persecuted church in China is in that condition. They've been humbled. They probably are living way more righteous than 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 99.9% of the people here. Um, but revealed truth is dependent on righteous on a righteous living. Because see, if if you're unrighteous, and how how can you expect to receive truth that you're going to apply? You're not even going to want it. If if you're living an unrighteous life, it's like a cockroach when you turn the lights on. You don't want that light because you got to flee out of there and get away from it because you don't like it. Well, that's the way it goes. If, if you're living an unrighteous life, and this would apply to if you call yourself a Christian, which you're probably not, and you're living an unrighteous life, or even or even a um, just somebody that's unsaved, they can't see. They're not going to see. And so that's one of the reasons I think people don't receive this type of information that we give out week, week in and week out, or they just put it aside, they don't think of it, they don't want to think about it, is because they're not living a righteous life. Therefore, the Holy Spirit, which the Bible said, Jesus said, after I leave, I will send you another, a comforter, and he will reveal to you all these things, which, okay, well, if the comforter lives inside you, and you're living a righteous life, you can see these things. I think it's easier to embrace truth. But if, if you're not living, if you're living like the devil, how can the Holy Spirit reveal these things? And does is the Holy Spirit living inside you? How could the Holy Spirit be living inside you and you living like the devil and there be no chastisement on your life? I mean, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. Well, if the Holy Spirit liveth in, lives inside you, then you're one of his kids. You have to be. That's called being born again. Your spirit is reborn. Okay, so... How, if the Holy Spirit's living inside you, wouldn't He be making you miserable? If you were living like the devil? Well, I don't know. It was just... He, he made some interesting quotes, and, and, they, and they were really good. I have... Um, I had had... I think I'd mentioned this in previous some previous sermons. I had a, one of my patients give me this uh, CD series on how to become a millionaire God's way. Well... I've been extremely busy lately, and, and it's been everything that I could do. I mean, this week was just, oh. And I mean, I praise the Lord, but um, I finally got a chance to do a little study on this man who said this, who wrote, who, 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 made, these, uh, who made these DVDs. And I'll tell you what, it was just pure confirmation as to what I thought about this man. And we're going to get into this today. Um, before that, I'm going to, I, what I did is when I set out this email, I gave you a boatload of Bible quotes. And that, what it does is, you know what this does? It preempts a lot of problems. Because if I don't put these Bible quotes in there, somebody's going to come back and all they got to go by is their stinking opinion. That's it. That's all I'm going to get. Oh, you shouldn't be judging. You know what? I'm just going to preempt all the things I know that are coming my way via email. I'm going to preempt it with these Bible verses. You know what it typically will do? 
it typically will shut people up. I'm sorry, but it does. It would shut me up. I'm not holding them to a higher accountability. If, if, if this offended me and I read all these Bible verses first before I read it, well, I'd say, wow, he's got a good point going into this. Now they're fresh in your mind. But if you just start reading something about some apostate preacher, all these, all these things may start coming in here. Well, he shouldn't be judging. Who is he to judge? Who, he who is not sin. Let him cast the first stone. All these other things. Well, the Bible also says a lot of other verses. And, and uh, about judging sin, about doing these types of things. He who is spiritual judgeth all things, the Bible says. When the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, it is always in reference, and you, all you have to do is go to that portion of Scripture in the Gospels, uh, I believe it's in Matthew, well, it, probably more than one of the Gospels, where it says, judge not lest you be judged. It's, it's in reference to a hypocritical person that, that is judging the um, speck in his brother's eye when he has a beam in his own. That's what it's in reference to. It's the pot calling the kettle black. And, and you know, that's what, that's what it is. It says, oh, you hypocrite. So it's, it's in reference to a hypocritical judgment. Um, Proverbs 28.11 says, The rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. So a rich man is wise, and you can't tell them nothing hardly. That's one of the reasons they can't get saved, because you can't tell them anything. they got it all figured out. Why? Because he's, he's trusting in his riches. But Jesus said, in, in the man that, that, that had done all these things, he put up grain in his barns and done all these things. Jesus said, thou fool, this, this night shall thy life be required of you. So, see, they're, they're, they're trusting in uncertain riches, as the Bible says. It's uncertain. Their kingdom is here. This... On earth is as close as they're ever going to get to heaven. The unsaved. The unsaved rich man or the unsaved. Do you realize that's as a, this is as close as they're ever going to get to heaven? And for a Christian, this is as close as we're ever going to get to hell. On earth. Think about that one. Just something to ponder. I, I, maybe I'll start to wax poetic today, Lisa. I might burst into a haiku or a soliloquy or a sonnet, maybe. Quote some Beowulf. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, I got crazy there for a sec. Um, I have to interject a little humor from time to time because this is pretty heavy-duty stuff we get into. So, Anyway, um, Jesus said in Matthew 19.23, And then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hardly. It's hard. Hardly ever. Hardly ever happens. Rich man goes into the kingdom of heaven. Because riches always typically puff up. And you cannot get saved in a puffed up state. You can't do it. You can't come to God proud and say, well, I'll take you on my terms, Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You have to humble yourself as a little child, Jesus said. You have to admit your lost, sin-sick state and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way. Trust in His shed blood, His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the only way you're going to get to heaven, period. That's it. But it's hard for a rich man to do because he's built everything up here on earth. And he, he's trusting in that. Look what I've done. Isn't it the same exact thing that Satan did? I'm just going to, let's just, I wasn't planning on doing this, but just let's go there real quick. I was actually, I'm going to probably actually do a whole study on this. Uh, let me give you the verse, hold on. Ezekiel 28. I mean, isn't Satan the template of sin? Isn't he the pattern, the original pattern of how sin entered into the world? Well, if that's the case, let's see if there's any parallels. 
Let's see if there's any parallels here where we could where we could have a little confirmation here as to what I'm saying here. <clears throat> Actually, let's just go. I, I don't want to do all this because I really don't have time. I'll probably do this separately. Um, let's just go to verse 12. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. Son of man, take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest, sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. This is in reference to Lucifer. This was before he fell, and his name changed to Satan. His name was Lucifer then. Okay? Um, he's referred to here as the king of Tyrus. He's not an earthly king. How could this be an earthly king? Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom, perfect in beauty? Was there any ever king here that was perfect in beauty? I mean, Solomon, I, they, I think, was probably the closest one. The Bible says of Solomon that, that even one of the, what is it, the lilies of the field doesn't, he doesn't even compare to one of them. So this was some, this was a creature that was perfect in beauty. One of God's creatures. He was in Eden. The garden of God. Every precious stone was that covering. I think this might be an example of why maybe he got proud. Now I'm not saying it's God's fault. Because God gave him this. But I'm, just, I'm trying to prove a point here. Pride is the ultimate thing that keeps people typically from getting saved and going to heaven. Pride. It was really the first sin of the Bible. No, I gave them all up for Lent. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, um, it says, The workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes was, pre was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. He had some type of, I believe, musical ability that was actually crafted into his body. He was a cherub. Cherub. Okay, cherub has four faces. It's not a seraphim, it's a cherub. These are the two probably highest angelic beings. They're, I believe they're above angels, most likely. I mean, if he led one-third of all the angels out of heaven, I doubt he was a lower-created being. Okay? So, the it was like a winged... heard Bill Schnellman describe it as a winged bull, but the thing is, is he ha, the cherub has four faces. One of a man, one of a lion, one of an eagle, and one of an ox. Okay, that's a cherub. Okay? So... Um, and he also had this musical ability. Thou art, uh, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, I've heard it said that he actually covered the throne of God, God's glory, because no man could actually look straight into God's glory and live. Um, whether that's the case, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get dogmatic about it, but I'm saying that there's good likelihood that's the case. I have, I have set thee so. See, God did it. God says, I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. Now, let's see what the first thing it says after that. It says, till iniquity was found. Maybe we're going to get a definition of what happened here now. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence of thy merchandise. By the it doesn't now. I always go. I have this problem. I have this tendency. I have always went to verse seventeen. It says, which is the next verse. Thine beauty was lifted up because of thy, thy no. Thy, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. 
But hold on, let's go back a verse. Because it says, By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. That's where it said it really started, right there. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering, o covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. He was the covering cherub. But what was the first thing he mentioned? The multitude of his merchandise. Huh. Let's see if we can get any more confirmation on that. Then it says, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Well, obviously, it was one of the most beautifully created beings God had ever made. That was pride as well. Now, if you got somebody really, 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 really super rich and really, really, really super beautiful, it's good. they're going to have a hard time keeping it in check. Don't you think? So, that's the thing. It, it, that's why the Bible says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just that one, you could be ugly and be rich. Just the one thing you could have. And it's and it's hard, it's uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, I've heard that also said, that the inn, was it in Jerusalem? It, it is a lie? Okay, okay. I wasn't sure about that. Okay, I won't even bring it up then. Okay, so... Um, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. See, his wisdom was corrupted by reason of his brightness, by his beauty. See, he was so gorgeous that he, it actually, his reason was corrupted because he knew he was that gorgeous. And he started thinking, I will ascend unto the Most High. I will be like the Most High. Now, that's, another, that's in Isaiah 14 where he says that. Okay, and I'm not going to, I don't have time to get into all that today, but to make a point here. I will cast thee to the ground. I will they, I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. This is God saying. He's going to make an example out of him. Thou hast defiled thy, defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic. 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 What's traffic? Like a, something about a stoplight? What's up? What's what's the traffic thing? What's that in here for? Let me see if I've got. Yeah, here it is. I copied this out of um, Webster's 1828 dictionary. Merchandise. Now let's look at the first word. By the multitude of thy merchandise have they filled thee in. The, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Merchandise. Now this is as was defined when the Bible, when the 1611 King James Bible was written. Merchandise. The objects of commerce. The objects of commerce, wares, goods, commodities, whatever is usually bought or sold in trade, but provisions daily sold in market, horses, cattle, and fuel are now usually included in this term. What does it also refer to? Trade, traffic, traffic? It's the exact spelling of this traffic in here. It's also referred to as trade, traffic, commerce. Hmm, that's what merchandise is. What's traffic? Traffic is trade, commerce, either by barter and or by selling. The word trade, the word like trade comprehends every species of dealing in exchange or passing of goods or merchandise from the hand to hand for the equivalent. Unless the business of retailing may be accepted. Um, so it's really the same thing. Just a different way of saying it. The Bible will many, the King James Bible will many, define, many times define words by using them in close proximity to one another, and you know that they are the same thing in that way if you start comparing them. So basically, traffic and merchandise are the same thing. Well, does that sound like maybe 
Satan was super, super rich. I mean, he said he had all these things. Every precious stone was his covering. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled. doesn't it say the love of money is the root of all evil? Well, I'm just, I'm saying that because we're, we're going to be talking about this, and I'm, I'm really done there with that, but, you know, that rich man's not going to enter into heaven. Satan, the rich man, he's not going to enter into heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19.24 says, And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's another way of putting it. Um, and then I think that's where the disciples say, well then who can go? And, and he says, with man, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. Okay, so, there is still hope. You know, I mean, if you just end it there and say, well, there's no rich guy that could ever be saved? Well, it depends. See, that's why when that when the, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he says, what, what what must I do? I've obeyed all the commandments from my youth. You're telling me he never broke any of the Ten Commandments from his youth. That right there showed me I think he was full of pride, number one. So Jesus, Jesus didn't even contest that. But he said something else that he knew he couldn't abide by. And he says, well, go sell all that you have. And you have riches in heaven. And give to the poor. Oh, he went away sad that day. Because Jesus nailed him right between the eyes where he knew it would hurt. The love of money is the root of all evil. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. So see, I do believe God can give somebody riches in this life. But the point is, is can he trust him after he's given him the riches? If he could trust him before the riches, that's great. But can he trust him after? After. And that's the rare person. That's the really super, super rare person. That he can trust after. He couldn't do it with Satan. And Satan was a perfect being created in, in, an, in, a, in an environment with no sin. He couldn't even trust... I mean, Satan fell. He couldn't trust one-third of his angels who fell, who also were in a condition where there was really... I mean, let's face it, we're in a lot more temptation than they were in. We live, we live in a world where sin's already... This was prior to sin. They had a big advantage on us, I think, personally. How could you be in God's presence and, and say, Ah, oh, now I'm going to go with this Satan guy. You know, the, the creator of the universe. He created them. All things were created by him, with him, and without, any, without him was not anything made that was made. So that's Jesus. I don't know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but, you know, I wasn't there. Maybe we'll get a replay of that when we go to heaven. To see what, what really... You know, I think we're going to... I do. You know what I want to do when I get to heaven? One of the things I like to do, I think there's going to be a big replay room in there, and you're going to be able to go in, and you're going to be able to actually live some of these Bible stories and, and see firsthand the actual scene, what took place on maybe the battlefield or, or, or in uh, wherever, the, with David and Solomon and these types of things. What I mean, what in the world, although I know why Solomon fell, because he loved many strange wives, that's why he did it, my word, it's just it's hard for me to comprehend some of these things. Um, Proverbs eight twenty eight twenty says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. Now I believe that that means that he's that many times he will be blessed, but it may not be in outward ways that, that the world will recognize, but he himself will be a blessing to others. It says, But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So now hold on here. We already got a problem with this with this man's CD series, How to Become a Millionaire God's Way. Can you imagine Jesus writing writing a CD series, How to Become a Millionaire Jesus' Way? It's basically what he's saying. It says, He that maketh haste, meaning you're trying to get rich quick, shall not be innocent. 
So if that's your goal and you're trying to do that, well, whoa, whoa, dude, you better, you better, uh, you know, you better check your motive. First Timothy three or First Timothy six, verse three, says, "If any man teach otherwise, now, well, this is going to be self-defining. If any man teach otherwise, it consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ." Okay, so. They consent not to wholesome words, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If any man does this, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. So this is a definition. If somebody's doing, if somebody's teaching otherwise, and consenting not to wholesome words, and to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine of godliness, here's what that person is. Here's what he is. He is proud. Proud. Wouldn't we just talk about that in Ezekiel? Knowing nothing. Now this is something where you could have this this verse that I or this this quote that this Rabbi Zacharias said where righteous living predicates revealed truth, true revealed truth that we can apply. I look around and marvel at so many things that are obvious and people can't get it. They just they refuse. Well, he is proud, knowing nothing, knowing nothing. They're proud they think they're in need of nothing. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, as the Bible says in Romans. But doting about questions and strifes of words, oh, they're always wanting to contend about something. Strife is contention. They're always wanting to contend about something, but typically it's not anything that relates to the Bible or, or anything that would confirm or reaffirm the Bible, maybe reaffirm their own philosophy. Okay, then what's the what's the fruit of all that? What is the fruit of somebody who's proud, knowing nothing, and doting about questions and stripes of words? Well, it says it right here. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, th thinking evil about something, evil, evil, coming to an evil conclusion about something is surmising. I'm surmising something, but it's evil. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. And destitute of the truth. Destitute of the truth. It always comes back to the truth. I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're not operating in truth, there's a lot of Bible verses in, in Scripture that say, that would point to the fact that you're not saved. There really is. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of things. That's why this is what, what kind of, I look at the, 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 the church and they say, oh, I love the Lord and all this stuff. And yet they're totally not even remotely in truth. They're, they're often some you know, fruitcake tangent somewhere, chasing fly balls in left field. Oh, but I love the Lord. And I'm thinking, but everything about your Christian walk is a lie, basically. I mean, just about, that I can see. And I, and I wonder to myself, why hasn't God shown him these things? Why did he show me? Why did he show some of the other people that, that I know, but yet they don't see these things? And they don't seem to have any love for the truth. But the Bible says... If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. We're his disciples. He's discipled us. We're, we're, um, we're followers of Christ. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, the truth, if you continue in his word. And, and you shall know the truth. And I don't think that's just totally pure biblical truth. A lot of it's all this other things that are going on around us. 
and you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth makes us free. It doesn't, it doesn't bring us in bondage, it always makes us free. Well, it says right here, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. Oh my! That's what the modern church is today. They suppose that gain is godliness. Where's my globe, Doug? I want my Smiley Joe globe. I saw him the other night, uh, just flipping through, and, and he there he is. That little, I like how it rotates. Just real slow. I love it. It's nice. It's subtle. It's very subtle. You know, it just, you know, uh, the, the stadium's a nice touch, too. Doug, now when are you going to rent out Lee County Civic Center for me? And give me that globe I've been wanting. We could have ATM kiosks set up in the, in the, in the foyer. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we really do. We, 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 we need to get a little, little more on that. I need to start preaching on that a little more. You notice I preach a lot on that. You notice I really, really harp on the whole that. I, I just really... <clears throat> it says, okay, so it says, Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Well, me, oh my! Right here, we're going to talk about a guy here. See, it's already working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, me. So it says, from such withdraw thyself? Well, who? I'm trying. Oh, Taylor. Um, supposing that gain is godliness. Now, these are men of perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself? Well, you'd think in today's day and age, from such cling to, from such cleave to, would be the way that the modern day apostate church approaches it. That's how they say, you know, they, they got all these guys like John Advanzini and, and all these all these prosperity preachers. And, and I hate to say it, but most of them are all Pentecostal. And I mean, I'm just being honest. If, if you're listening to this tape and, and that offends you, I'm sorry. But <laughs> modern day Pentecostalism, there's, there's more apostasy in that than any other sect of Christianity that I see. I'm sorry, there is. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a fruit inspector and I'm looking at the obvious here, Okay. But it says, from such withdraw thyself. I mean, there's more, there's more prosperity preaching in, in, in supposing that gain is godliness in the Pentecostal apostate TBN movement than any other place in Christianity, bar none. You are not going to walk into a Protestant church and hear this. Um, well, not a Protestant church. A, let's say a, a Presbyterian church. Or, uh, I mean, uh, where else? Uh, Lutheran. Or, or, or even a Baptist. I'm not saying they're perfect, okay? But I'm saying there's... No, and I've been there, so, so don't say that that doesn't happen, because I've been there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been there. I know that this happens. But godliness and contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we shall carry nothing out. Like they say, nobody's ever seen... Um, somebody going to, uh, you know, like, one of those burials or whatever, or a funeral, you've never seen a hearse towing a U-Haul. You know? Now, granted, you know, the Egyptian kings tried to do this. They tried to take everything with them. But it's going to serve them in the netherworld. They even went so far as to bury servants alive with them in their tombs. They would, they would seal them in the tombs, and they would be in there living 
until they died, obviously, probably for lack of oxygen, because I don't think there's any oxygen sources in there, because they sealed the tombs. You know, the, 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 those Egyptian pharaohs, they're burning hot right now. They're burning real super, super hot. Because all that is is Babylonian witchcraft repackaged. What? They were extremely, extremely perverse and evil and bad, bad stuff they did. Um, so, we brought nothing in this world, and certainly we will carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. That's what the Bible says. Oh, you can't preach that anymore. we got to be a millionaire God's way. Having food and raiment. Food and raiment. That says, that's, that's the whole criteria for being content. How many Christians in America, so-called Christians, well, they're going to avoid this verse like the plague. Number one, they're not even preaching out of the right Bible. They probably got this thing so twisted around whatever version they're reading, they can't even, probably not even in there, I probably removed it. Well, that's where it says. And then it goes on further. It says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. That's what the Bible says about being rich. They that be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Wow, that doesn't sound like that's a great thing. They that be rich fall into a temptation. It just says, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. I'm not saying that this is a blanket statement that there's no rich man that, 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 is, that has ever went to heaven. Um, I'm not saying that at all. But the thing is, is you would have to be in the right mindset, the right godly mindset and condition, and realize that, that, that God, if He did give you these things, He could take them away in a heartbeat. Can He trust you with those? This is why I think, um, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people just can't handle it. There's just no way they can, because this will happen. It says, if they, if they, for the most part, this will happen. So they, they fall into many temptations, snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Perdition is basically like drawing back into damnation. That's the definition of perdition: drawing back into damnation. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, didn't it say because of thy merchandise, you were filled with violence. That was the first thing it mentioned. And because of your traffic, iniquity was found. Traffic, he had to be involved in some type of, I don't know how it worked back then, prior to the Garden of Eden. Because this is prior to the Garden of Eden we're talking about here. This was when the first sin was actually committed. I'm not sure 100% what he was trafficking or what type of merchandise. But there had to be something. Every covering, every precious stone was his covering. You know, so I don't know. I, it's hard for me to be dogmatic. You know, Lucifer's. Yeah, I don't think he had a knickknack shop. Lucifer's knickknacks. You know, I don't think that's the way it worked. But something was being done that we'll know about on the other side. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, when they did this, what happened? They erred from the faith. Well, that's, what's, that's, that's, that's all of modern-day Christianity just about. They calls themselves that. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. 
But thou, O man of God, flee these things. It says flee. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Hmm, fruits of the Spirit. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. Many are called, but few are chosen. The Bible says that. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. See, if, 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 you're really gonna, if you're really saved and you're going to work this thing out with fear and trembling, as the Bible says to do, then there's going to be many witnesses to that fact on the other side. I believe that. I believe that. There's going to be witnesses to, to confirm this. Now, I'm not talking about works-based religion here. I'm not talking about now we're saved by works and good works and things of this nature. But I'm, what I'm talking about is there should be the obvious byproduct of fruit of a plant. When you're born again, and that born again, basically, it's like, it says, behold, you're a new creature. All things, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You're like a new tree. And, and, and there should be evidence and fruit from that tree of your conversion, of the Holy Spirit living inside you. That's all, that's all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about works-based. There's a fine line there you have to draw because you could, you could go, you could make this real easy to get into, well, oh, you better do this or you're, or you're gonna go to hell. Well, now we're talking about, well, is God's grace not sufficient to cover that sin? And then Paul even said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of this death? The things that I want to do, that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, that I do. Okay, so even Paul struggled with this. So we don't want to get... Again, I want to balance here. We, 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 it's not me wanting to balance. We should have a balance. We need, to, we need to look at Scripture and know that it's not of any private interpretation. If you have to read a book, a big thick book, to change your doctrinal views on some core part of Scripture, and it took that whole big book in order to... to, to um, sway you into that thinking pattern, then you have to question that. You really do. Because I got caught up in one thing one time about doctrine. And I, the preacher came up to me at the end and he says, you know, he says, you got to have a whole book to, to ever come to that conclusion. I thought about it. I said, you know, he's right. He's totally right. You do. I would never... Would, and then I asked myself, would I have ever come to that conclusion on my own, having read the Bible? having studied the Bible, and I thought, no, I would have never, ever come to that conclusion. It took this book to get me. That's why you got to be careful what you're reading. It took, but it, it, I've thought about that a lot since. Um, Matthew 6, 31-34. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Here we go again. Don't, you're not even supposed to take thought about it. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now this is Jesus Christ talking. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, here we're talking about righteousness again, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you seek ye first the kingdom of God. You don't seek ye first how to become a millionaire God's way. 
It's you know what's amazing is like this guy we're going to be talking about. He's got a six hundred no no what's more than a six hundred member six I think a six thousand member church or whatever six thousand member church. I'm not going to read it now. I'm not going to get later. I will. Um, and it, you know you know his congregation should be lynching this guy. He he he's he's an absolute reprobate wolf in sheep's clothing apostate. This man I'm going to prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. They should string this man up. <laughs> And yet, here he sits in the pulpit and, and has all kind of praise of men, making all these millions. Unbelievable. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. The morrow means tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. See, if we start thinking about this and that, about in the future. Now, granted, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Okay, and the simple pass on and are punished. So it's not that though we should live our life day to day just like, you know, never ever um, giving thought or concern. But it's 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 dwelling on it, and and now we get into a thing. Okay, it's one thing to prepare for the day of evil and to see the evil coming. It's another thing to dwell on it and think, oh, I'm going to die. That's that's now now we've just now we've just crossed over the realm of prudence and looking looking forward to things, seeing the evil, and we've just passed over into the realm of of um, lack of faith. We've just passed over into the realm of of self centeredness and lack of faith. Oh, I'm going to die. Oh, what am I going to do? This and that. Well, again, there's a fine line. There's a fine line everywhere in Scripture that that. that See, this is the, this is how we get cults started, and all these things, and all these guys that are real dogmatic about this or that. They only preach on one aspect of scripture. They're not looking at the other, at the balancing effect of maybe other scriptures in the Bible. You have to have a balance. Matthew eight nineteen through twenty says, "Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go.' And Jesus said unto him." Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Well, yeah, Jesus, he was rolling in it. Just rolling in it, you know. These guys talk around, oh yeah, but Judas has the bag. That's what these prosperity preachers say. Judas had the bag, and he had big money. How do you think he, how do you think he fed all those people? Well, you know why? Because he did miracles and multiplied the fishes and the loaves and he turned water into wine and things of that nature. It's not because he went out and said, okay, guys, go out and buy me all this wine or go out and buy me all this, these fishes and loaves. I'm going to look really good. Give me a break. He didn't need to do any of that. He created the universe. <laughs> you think he needed money? And he was our example. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a house. He had nothing. Jesus himself had no place to lay his head, no permanent home. He constantly traveled. He dressed like everyone else. He even said to forsake this world to inherit his kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. And he made it perfectly clear in his teachings. So I just wanted to say that little tidbit, what we've just went over, before, before I read you this nice quote from Pastor Dr. Thomas C. Anderson mocking Jesus Christ and the poor on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Now this quote is from this man, Dr. C. Thomas Anderson, 
and it was on Praise the Lord, TBN, that was the name of the show, Praise the Lord, August 21st, 2004. Um, this is one of Trinity Broadcast's main shows, Praise the Lord. Um, he is the pastor of Living Word Bible Church in Mesa, Arizona. He's also the author of Becoming a Millionaire God's Way. Those wonderful tapes I showed you. And on the cover of the Becoming Millionaire God's Way is really nice because it has um, a picture of a $100 bill cut out and it only has like a, like a cutaway view of Ben Franklin's eye. Now, Ben Franklin was a high-level um, mason, illuminist. He was a member of the Hellfire Club. Uh, he was one of the main architects of the, uh, of the um, Masonic New World Order that was birthed back then. I'm not saying the man wasn't brilliant, but he was very evil has a picture of his eye. When you ever see a picture of one eye, you always think of the all-knowing eye of Lucifer, which is what we get on the back of the dollar bill. And it was a cutaway of a $100 bill. So, you know, it was a nice, good Christian thing you'd see a lot of places. This is a quote from him, from that, from that program. Quote, Then, when Jesus is looking for his disciples, just think about it. I mean, he's looking for his disciples, right? Now, already this guy's totally irreverent. You can just tell. So Jesus is got his shopping cart. It is filled with aluminum cans that he's been collecting. And then there's a quote here. Oh, you hear all these laughs from the from the audience because they they're loving this. Okay, this is what takes place on TBN, no matter this type of stuff. And so Jesus has his shopping carts filled with aluminum cans that he's been collecting. Some bottles, some broken glasses, some stuff. He's got his homeless outfit on. He's poor, rags, and kind of dirty. You know. Long, shaggy, ratted hair, and he's just kind of walking along the Sea of Galilee. You know, and he looks over there, and there's these wealthy fishermen. Whatever. You see, if Jesus was poor, he would have went over to the unemployment line and got some people to be his disciples. But no, he went to the wealthy and found some people that had a business. Sounds like what the church does today, doesn't it? Let's go after the rich men so that they can give all the money and they can feel all good. And, and so he said, hey guys, come follow me. And everybody's laughing. Like, right. Yeah, sure, we'll follow you to the dump, to, to the city dump. Man, anything you say, more laughing. Man, anything you say, more laughing. Now, how dumb is that? That is, that is all Jesus said to them, is come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They went, woo, right, right. And they followed him. Why? The boy was dressed in an Armani suit. He was wearing Berlini shoes. Come on now. Why do we know that? Because he hung on the cross of Calvary. Calvary. They gambled for his clothes. They tossed dice for his underwear. <laughs> you think anybody here would gamble for your underwear? Everybody's laughing. You could have some pretty fine DNKY underwear, but you ain't got anything that I'm gambling for. More laughs. He was dressed fine. The rich will always follow the rich. The poor will always follow the rich as well. But the rich will never follow the poor. So how do we get these strange notions and these strange attitudes? Where does that poor, where does that come from except religious stupidity? Religious attitudes that kept the body of Christ poor. Amen. Have you ever heard a more blasphemous, stinking quote than that? Uh, I, I, I truly, I pray to God he rain down his fury on this apostate. I really do. I really do. 
I pray that God would deal with him, that all men would see in fear and declare the work of God, as they say in, in Psalm 64. I pray to God he does it today. Where do you start with a stinking quote like this? Where do you even start with a quote like this? He Basically what he does is he makes some parody as though Jesus was, was, was this bum... And then he says, and then he says, no, that couldn't have been the way it went down because they were rich fishermen. I never got that in the Bible ever. That fishermen were ever rich, and that he had to be wearing this Armani suit and these Berlini shoes if they were to follow him. That is the whole basis that he has because they followed him, not because of what he said or who he was or what he did. That he was the son of God. It was based purely upon how he was dressed. What kind of stinking apostate would say this crap? I'm sorry, what, who would do this? And who would sit in an audience and laugh over this? How is this possible? Did you want to say something? We were, we were just talking too about the fact that how could these people be like, and, and how can you feel sorry for any of them? And they're all going, I'm, I'm sorry, the, anybody that would laugh at this and think this is funny, I, I believe you're, you're just going straight to hell. I'm sorry. I don't think you have any comprehension. How could you, you're, you're mocking your Savior, if supposedly you're, how could you do that? How, if the Holy Spirit lived inside you, how in the world could you laugh and think this is funny? How could you have such, virtually no discernment? Don't even tell me you're cracking your Bible open, or, or whatever apostate version you're reading, because you're not. You're not. The, the church is so apostate right now that they would actually believe what this man is saying. I mean, th this is it's one of the most blasphemous quotes I've ever seen in my life, ever. Ever. I mean, th then, he, then he has the audacity to say at the end, the rich will never follow the poor. Well, that's kind of funny because Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head, but he did have people like tax collectors and people that actually did have money following him. Nicodemus, these types of people that had money, he had them following him. Um, Nicodemus was the one that got his body, I believe. Joseph, I'm sorry, Joseph of Arimathea, that's right. And I mean, he did have money. And, 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 and I mean, they had respect to him, so don't tell me that. But see, these people are so void of discernment, they've never cracked their Bible open, that how would they know? Then he says, so how do we get these strange notions and these strange attitudes? Let me tell you something, Dr. Pastor C. Thomas Anderson. You get it from the Bible. That's how they get these strange notions and these attitudes. You get it from the Bible. Where does this come from except religious stupidity? How dare you? I, may the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on this man. Really, I, I truly, I, 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 because you know something? If he doesn't, you know how many people are going to go to hell because they're going to follow this devil? He's an absolute wolf in sheep's clothing. A devil. And, and you know, this woman that gave me these CDs, this is, this is how deceived she is. I mean, and she's a very nice person. A very nice person. But this is how deceived. She thinks this is biblical. Religious attitudes that kept the body of Christ poor. Well, you know, I've just read all the quotes. The Bible's on my side. It's not on his side. So I went up to his website. Yeah, I went up to his website. I got some nice pictures here. Here it is. Dr. C. Thomas Anderson, Becoming a Millionaire, God's Ways. 
Read the Ford by Robert Kolowski, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Best-selling author. Who knows? I don't even know. Oh, and look, he's got a little $100 bill on his cover of his book, and it's and it's made, and they folded it in the way of a shirt. It looks like a shirt, a little $100 bill. You ever see people fold money, and they can make little things? Well, he's got a little $100 bill folded into the shape of a shirt. College shirt, too. Getting money to you, not from you. That's the, that's the caption of the book. Reveal Becoming a millionaire God's way. Reveal practical biblical techniques to acquiring wealth. Challenge the belief that the Bible teaches poverty. Teach the body of Christ that wealth is God's will. You scum. Look at this idiot. He looks real godly, don't he? Yeah. Yeah, he looks, he looks real godly. Looks like he's getting ready to go in a nightclub. So we were just passing his picture around. The Bible says, Mark them which cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. Their own bellies, their own appetites. Their own lust, their own greed. That's what that means. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Well, these aren't even good words. This isn't even a fair speech, what I just quoted. But yeah, he's still deceiving the hearts of the simple. That's how bad the church is. Now, so you know, I, I copied and pasted these right off his right off his website, so you can't accuse me of being biased. This is from his website. See below to order all four of his "Becoming a Millionaire God's Ways" CD series for only four hundred ten bucks. You can get them for four hundred ten bucks, Taylor. What a deal! Oh, good deal. He charges you for each one individually. The part part. Um, now you can get his book for less than that, but I think in order to get into the real nuts and bolts inner workings of it. Um, it's going to cost you some money here. But hey, you know, you've you got to make sacrifices for the cause of Christ, right? Becoming a Millionaire God's Way, CD Series Part 1, uh, Part one, Part 1B. Now, Part 1 is 120 bucks just for that one. Part 1B is 50 uh, Becoming a Millionaire God's Way, Part 2, Profiles of the Rich and Famous, $120. Becoming a Millionaire, God's uh, God's Way CD Series Part Three, too much money, another hundred twenty bucks for that one. But they do have a please contact, please contact us for special wholesale rates. That's probably if you buy a whole bunch of them for your church, so you can so you can fleece your flock too. Because you know he's fleecing he's fleecing everybody, and you know who's becoming a millionaire the devil's way. This man. He's becoming a millionaire the devil's way. That's what it, that's what the title of it ought to be. It's got old Ben Franklin there with the all-knowing eye Lucifer off the dollar bill. He's on there. Is this sick? And then on his website, you can buy another book. Think Like a Billionaire by Scott Anderson. Now, I don't even think he's a Christian, this guy. Or even saying he is. I don't have so much of a problem with, with a non-Christian coming out. I mean, they're just of the world. What can you expect? But for, for somebody that calls himself a Christian to profiteer... Off, off the name of God? Oh, God help him. Think Like a Billionaire by Scott Anderson. Think Like a Billionaire, Become a Billionaire. As a man thinketh, so is he. Oh, I guess it is Christian. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't have the wrong mindset thinking, dwelling on debt, taking... I mean, and there, and there, and I'm not saying that's not biblical. As a man thinketh, so is he. If you're constantly thinking, Oh, Lord, I'm just going to be in debt. 
I'm going to be in debt no matter what I do. Now, that's not faith. And the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. So now, now again, let's draw the fine line here. I'm not saying we should all go around in rags and poverty and, 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 and want this and, and seek to have this. I look at money as not being evil nor good. Money takes on the personality of the possessor. That's what money is. Okay? If you, you can use money to do great good. In fact, the biggest reasons I've ever wished for money for myself is to think of all the cool things I could do with it for the, for the body of Christ or, or to potentially help people get saved or potentially see God's name be glorified. But that's not the normal motivation for most people. Um, and I believe the Holy Spirit put that desire in me. But yeah, you can buy this book. And then, from his website also, livingword, living-word.com, upon your involvement, and this is his, this is his um, monthly um, programs, you know, they all got them, all, all their, their uh, monthly membership programs they have for their churches, you know. Upon your involvement of $25 in any level of the winner's team, you will receive a lapel pin. Limit two per family. Limit two per family now. So you guys could both have one. Lonetta, you could wear two. Anyway, coffee mug, audio CD, and mini Power of Confession book. Yeah. And then we've got, that's the bronze winner's team. That's the $25 per month. You, and then you also get a designer ink pen there. And then if you're on the winner's team, Silver, you get a designer ink pen and a Becoming a Millionaire God's Way. This is $50 per month. If you're on the gold team, Nonetta, you can get a designer ink pen, Becoming a Millionaire God's Way, a large power of confession book, not the small one, you get the large now, and a personalized certificate in prayer journal, and also a Hulk Hogan commemorative beer koozie. With a faux pearl necklace. No, just kidding. I got a little carried away there. Anyway, um, might as well, you know. And then the Winner's Team Platinum Club. Now, Lisa, this I had you in mind for this one. $250 a month. Month. It's going to cost you. <laughs> you get, Lisa, you get your designer ink pen. You get a Becoming a Millionaire God's Way book. You get a large power confession book. You get a personalized prayer certificate and prayer journal. And a three-day getaway with Dr. Tom and Pastor Maureen. Oh. Pastor Maureen, his wife. <laughs> what more could you want? A three-day getaway with these apostates? You can learn to become devils just like they are. Isn't that great? They'll take you straight to the pit of hell. Guaranteed. But then, Doug, for you, the winner's team corporate. Ministry corporate level. Now, this is where the real, the rubber meets the road. This is where the real benefits and perks. Here you go, Doug. This is for you. $750 a month, Doug. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you, Doug. Designer ink pen. Becoming a Millionaire God's Way book. Large Power Confession book. Personalized Certificate and Prayer Journal. Becoming a Millionaire God's Way CD series. So you get the whole $410 shebang. And a three-day getaway with Dr. Tom. So if you did the... the the one, and you did the other, you could still have your three-day getaway with them, and everything would be good. Yeah, everything would be good. Anyway, um, yeah, Satan awards those who follow him. What could be better than getting a three-day getaway? I don't know. apostate roaches. I don't know. I mean, what more could you ask for in life? 
Now, along these lines, I also got, my mom gave me this this week. She, this was in Self Magazine, I believe. It was in Self, which is, you know, good. Self-centered magazine, which was appropriate. Yeah, Self.com. She gave me this article. And it was entitled, Praying to be Thin. Oh, you're going to love this. If you love the last thing I just got into, you're going to love this. It is just after dusk on a Thursday night in March. Hundreds of smiling parishioners stream into the federal-style building that houses the Remnant Fellowship Church of Franklin. Remember, it's the Remnant. This is the true Remnant now, Lisa, we're going to be talking about here. This is in Franklin, Tennessee, 20 miles south of Nashville. And with a stage in lieu of an altar, TV cameras, projection screens, and theater-style chairs. Well, hey, shouldn't it all be that way? No, no, Nettie, you've got, in all fairness, you have kind of a theater-style chair there you're sitting in. If you had a drink holder in that armrest... Now, that would be more of a theater-style chair. You Just so you, you might want to think about, now, you're good with upholstery. You could maybe hollow that out and maybe have a drink holder or something there. Anyway, um, TV cameras, projection, theater-style chairs, 650-seat sanctuary. Seems more like a television studio than a place of worship. Well, it is. It doesn't seem that way. It is. It's not a place of worship. Worshiping the devil. The congregants, too, are camera-ready. That's not by accident. No, not a single participant appears to be overweight in the whole congregation, Nonetta. Well, now we know what the secret is, don't we, Doug? It's not an accident either. The overwhelming majority of members found their way to this church through Way Down. That's the name of this, Way Down. One of the most, and it's not spelled W-A-Y, it's spelled W-E-I-G-H, like your weight. Way Down, one of the most successful Christian weight loss programs in the country. Tonight, church members are taking part of a live webcast promoting the Way Down Plan. Ten minutes before airtime, church leaders direct members to fill the front rows and show joy and excitement once the cameras start to roll. Reminds me of that, that Prophecy Club tour that I did where the man at the top was telling me, i got to be more exciting, i got to be more this, i got to be more that on the radio interviews. And I'm thinking, well, where's the Holy Spirit in any of this? You know, where is he? i got to do this and i got to do that? Give me a break. I am who I am. Golly. There is, there is, and then he says, the video begins, well, thank you, dear. Um, Ten minutes before airtime, church leaders direct members, fill the front rows, show joy and excitement once the cameras start to roll. The video begins with messages scrolling across the screen. There is hope. There is an answer. You can lose weight permanently. Isn't this what we should have in every church? You can lose weight permanently? Sounds like a Dexatrim commercial. Next comes a taped introduction from Gwen Shamblin, the 50-ish founder of the Die and Church and their pastor. And you've got to change, and you can change. Now, this is just a this is just a taped introduction. She can't she can't bother herself with actually coming out. You can you have got to change. You can change, she says. You the way to change is down this narrow path and this truth. See how they, they mix intermingle? Now I'm not saying people should be walking around fat slobs, Christians, there are a lot of them, and I think it's a poor witness. I do! I think it's a poor witness. 400, 450 pounds in the pulpit. Well, that's good. That's a great example that we got gluttony on display here. Now, granted, let's have balance. I don't think that's biblical. I think that person's not right with the Lord, personally. If he's 450 pounds in the pulpit, totally grossly overweight, how is that? You're a billboard for Christ. But I wouldn't carry it this far. This is ridiculous, what they're talking about. In 2002, I started an eight-week class. 
through a church near my home in North Carolina and lost 10 pounds in about a month. Taylor, don't be talking. My hectic schedule caused me to drop out midway through, but I never forgot the basic principles. When Way Down began offering a new online class in 2005, I plunked down the $125 for the eight-week eight week Exodus out of Jesus, out of Egypt, the Change Series. That's what they called it, the Exodus out of Egypt. The name symbolizes the deliverance of God's chosen people from slavery. The bondage to food and dieting and to the promised land, which is being permanently thin. So now we have we have a total perversion of scripture here. Now I finally knew that the promised man, land really means just being permanently thin, Nonetta. Evidently. I had it all wrong for all these years. I apologize. Um, this time I noticed stark differences in the program. Weight loss advice was overshadowed by rhetoric, implying that overeaters are courting eternal damnation. Now, they really get off in left field with this. I mean, they really, really, really go overboard with, with this thing because she, she, I mean, you talk about a niche doctrine, a niche devil doctrine. And she does. They're, they have a lot of, now, you've got to understand, the person who wrote this is from Self Magazine. This is not a Christian thing I'm reading you, so bear that in mind as I read this. The rhetoric was implying that overeaters are courting eternal damnation. In class videos, Shamblin was self-righteous, her tone dictatorial. Well, that's what you get when you when you put a woman in the pulpit and make her make her the preacher over a church. It's never going to work out right because she was never called and never meant to be in that position ever. Oh gosh, Kevin's in there, isn't he? Kevin here. <laughs> Poor Kevin. Anyway, in class video, Shamlin was self-righteous and dictator. Gradually, I realized that Way Down had become a recruitment tool for the church Shamlin found in 1999. Well, isn't that how all cults start? That's how they all start. My online class leader stressed the need to have to leave the counterfeit church and its false teachers. Oh, so now she only has the real church, Nonetta, Way Down, where you can be permanently thin in the promised land, Lisa. <laughs> Amen. And then, and then it says, this this woman, what a devil. What a wolf in sheep's clothing. Gradually, um, I realized way down to become a recruitment tool for the devil. I mean, for the church Shamlin founded in 1999. My online class leader stressed to leave the church, to leave the counterfeit church. This is online they're saying this. What, you know, what a, it's like the devil fighting against the devil. You need to leave your, your counterfeit church. And I'm sure that probably most people are in a counterfeit church. It's true. But to go to their counterfeit church. <laughs> but at least you look good. You know, you look good. You look real good. Um, you've been lied to all your life, she posted during the thing. Taylor, would you stop it? Counterfeit is something that's false. It's, it's, it's something that looks like the real thing, but it's false. It's a false version. Okay, like, like a Bible that's an NIV or living. It's a counterfeit Bible. It's a counterfeit. So... She posted, then she said, I stopped short of replying that she didn't know me. Okay, no, you've been lied to all your life. She posted during one session. I stopped short of replying that she didn't know me and had no idea what I had been taught. But Shamblin's new message was resonating. Approximately 1,200 people have heeded her call to join Remnant Fellowship. Close to 650 of them have left their home and relocated to near Shamblin's multi-million dollar estate in Tennessee. Some pulling their children out of schools and cutting ties with their family and friends. And this is a cult. We're dealing with a serious cult here. 
These developments have prompted some religious experts to worry that remnant has become more of a cult than a church. A place where obedience is measured in the amount of food left on your plate. Taylor, did you stop it? So this is, obedience is measured by the amount of food left on your plate, no matter. And righteousness in the number of pounds lost. Ooh, show me that in the Bible. You know, that's what I mean. These people don't, they just throw the Bible out the window. They're no, they're no different than, than the Catholics, because the Catholics don't go by the Bible either. They don't read the Bible. I mean, they got, they got their American Standard Version, but at least you could get saved out of the thing. But even if they read their perverted Bible, they would know these things are wrong. But they won't do it. They want to put all that in the clergy's hand, because they're too stinking lazy. Because they don't really have any love of, of the truth. Because they're not like the Bereans that sought these things out daily to see that the, if they be so. They're not like that. They want it spoon-fed to them, and they want it in a, in a, in a form where it's non-offensive. That's what it all boils down to. And then it says they're hierarchical, authoritarian, and demand unquestioning submission. Says Rafael Martinez, a minister in Cleveland, Tennessee, who runs Spirit Watch Ministries, who tracks religious and social fringe groups. Members are not pressured to give up their money, nor are they armed or separatists in the manner that most notorious sects. Nevertheless, Martinez says, Remnant claims to be the only true church and exercises intrusive, damaging, and manipulative control over its members. Look at this. Look at the pastor. Gwen Shamblin. Look at her. Hair teased up to the stinking rafters. I like the rouge on A lot of rouge. A lot of rouge. Uh, I like the, the, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the nose sleeve. Uh, I don't know what it is, dress or blouse or whatever she's wearing. Look at this woman. This is what you get when you put when you put a woman in a place where she was never, ever, ever, ever called ever. Because women aren't called to be pastors. There's no there's no scriptural precedence for that in the Bible at all. It says it says that the bishops or the deacons are to be the husband of one wife. One wife. It says it over and over and over. It doesn't say the husband of the, the wife of one pastor or the wife of one husband. It's just a foregone conclusion in the Bible. But now today, you can't say that because it's not politically correct. Yeah, we, we're looking, we all looked at the picture. We're, we're just marveling at the, the Proverbs 31 likeness of this woman. Real submissive, as I had said, about as submissive as a rattlesnake, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, I mean, the, the woman's got pride all over her, you know. I, you know, I just praise God that all, at least the people in this room, we're not in this anymore. We're, we're not going to be subjected or duped. Or, all right? I mean, this is just unbelievable. Shamblin's husband, David, oh, and another thing that Ravi said this morning, he said that judgment many times by God, this is a good point, is not sometimes judgment raining down fire and brimstone all at once. Many times, judgment, what judgment is, is God just removing his protective hand and letting the deterioration come, which is what we're seeing. We're seeing deterioration of, of, what, of, the, of the environment we're in. Shamblin's husband, David, is not involved in remnant or way down. He's not even a member, her husband. I'm sure, I'm sure like, again, there's a lot of submission going on there. It doesn't even sound like the guy even feigns to be a Christian. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I, I guess it's okay that, you know, the whole not being unequally yoked thing. And she doesn't mind so much that her husband's going to hell because he's not part of the true church. Do you see the, the hypocrisy? Shamlin's husband, David, is not involved in running her way down. And judging from a photo, appears to be significantly overweight. 
you know, the hypocrisy is just beyond anything you could even get into. Church elder David Martin introduces Shamblin as the person who has been chosen as a vessel by God to teach us how to get right before him and how to have a better looking body, a better feeling body, better finances and a better marriage and more obedient children. That's how she's introduced as. She's the chosen vessel by God, Doug, to get us right. So you guys better, I'm sorry, we're going to have to quit now and you better go move up to Tennessee and follow Shamblin. Gwen, Pastor Gwen. Uh, what, she's a pastor? Well, she's, she's the head of this church, sure. In an email to the followers in 2000, Shamlin caused a firestorm. You know what she said? Jesus is not one with God, she wrote. And God holds authority over Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Christians call this view heretical. She said Jesus is, is not one with God. She had denied the existence of the Trinity. What do you think? Do you, do you think? Do you think a devil that's in sheep's clothing is going to give you the true salvation, the true gospel? <clears throat> Which is one of the tenets of the belief, the existence of the Trinity. The controversy prompted her publishing to cancel her third book. Christian bookstores returned to the way-down diet, and churches canceled their classes. Shamblin says she viewed the rebuff as religious persecution and confirmation of her calling. Quote, I feel like God has placed me as a go-to person, a kind of pioneer. There's always been, there's always been, there's always going to be attacks on me. They killed Jesus, they killed Peter, they killed Paul. What they've tried to do is kill my reputation. So she thinks that she's a vessel of God. She's a stinking devil. That's all she is. I pray God, I, 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 you know, I pray that all men would see in fear and declare the work of God because of what God's going to do with her. I really do. I pray to God she be judged in this life so that many people don't go to hell. Because she's just going to lead a boatload of people to hell is all she's going to do with her cult. Unless, and then she says, unless, well, no, it says, unless we repent of our gluttony and never overeat again, her philosophy seems to say we are all doomed to hell. Where does it say that in the Bible? Now, granted, gluttony is not good. This is true. But to say that we, that, we, that that's the basis for hell and heaven... What about the gospel? What about the free gift of God? <laughs> who, who is she to say this thing? I mean, she has no biblical basis for this at all. This is her philosophy. And again, philosophy will take you straight to hell. This graceless message has widened the gap between her and the mainstream Christian. I mean, the person writing this has a better comprehension than most Christians. She even said, she says, this graceless message, she's right, has widened the gap between her and the mainstream Christian community. Her where salvation is a gift from God, not something you earn by going from a size 14 to a size 4. You know, the wisdom of the world is, is many times better than anything you can get. I, this is from Self Magazine. And they're right. <laughs> she nailed it. She even knew this. Unbelievable. Amy Hartman, a 32-year-old research associate in Indianapolis, says she came to way down desperate. She had failed in every commercial diet, and the summer of 2005 had, had 75 pounds to lose. In one summer? That sounds healthy. That July, she decided to attend a way-down retreat in Franklin. When she arrived, she immediately felt like an outsider. I felt like the only fat person there, she said. Everyone dressed alike. They were all super happy. And you couldn't even hold a normal conversation with anyone because all they wanted to talk about was how great Gwen was. I called my mom and said, this is a cult. I mean, it sounds like your typical Mormon Jehovah Witness gathering to me. It really does. Because I've been around some of those people. And that's how they come off. Oh, everything's wonderful, good, great. 
Then she goes on to say, I ate no more than 8 to 10 bites at each meal. They go by bites. So you only can eat 8 to 10 bites at each meal. That's it. This is this diet. Okay. Hartman lost nearly 25 pounds in two months. Most experts recommend dropping 8 pounds or less a month for healthy, sustainable weight loss. Though obese people might safely lose a little more. And I agree with this. About 8 pounds a month is... See, if you do more than that, what happens is your metabolism says, I'm going into starvation mode, and this doesn't matter if you're overweight or not, and I'm going to slow my metabolism down even more if you're doing more than 8 pounds a month. Well, she was doing 25 pounds. So I guarantee you, guarantee, you can't keep this up forever. And what's going to end up happening is, is when she finally goes off the wagon, she's going to gain even more weight back. And more of it's going to be in fat this time. Because when you go into starvation mode, your body catabolizes muscle. Meaning it eats your own muscle before it'll eat fat. So you, and muscle is what burns fat. The more muscle you have on your body, the more it's easier to keep fat off you. It's a bad cycle. It's called yo-yo dieting. This is the ultimate yo-yo diet setup. As weeks went by, however, Hartman has questions. Would only those in remnant go to heaven? as Shamblin's teachings seem to imply. How could they be so sure that she was, wasn't being, how could they be so sure that she was being led astray by her own church group and believing in the Trinity? Uh, Gwen called to talk to me. Now this is this Miss Pastor Gwen here, called to talk to me, but never, but she never really answered my questions. That's what all people in calls do. They, they don't answer hard questions ever. Hartman recalls, she got really upset and became, and became very take it or leave it. That's what they'll do. When put in a corner, any kind of light shone on them, they'll always turn the, the spotlight back on you and make you look like you're the bad guy. As weeks went by, however, oh no, uh, theological debate is an unforgivable sin in remnant. Well, that's a lot like it is here, isn't it? I, I, you can't ask me nothing. Oh, I'll get all mad and huffy and puffy and leave and storm out. Theological debate, that should be the basis of a church. If you think about it, I mean, not debating over strifes and, and vain things, but I mean, we should be able to come, let us reason together, say at the Lord. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be able to do these things? I like it. But at the Remnant Church, theological debate is an unforgivable sin. Says Martinez, who runs the Remnant Support Group that has been included several... Now, they have a whole Remnant Support Group for, for all these probably totally messed up people that have come out of this church. You know, we might want to start one of those with ours. Of course, we don't have any members that we could put in it yet, but, you know. Well, yeah, you could, you could be the dysfunctional, uh, you know, member of our church or something. I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, um, so they say that this is an unforgivable sin. The support group includes seven, several dozen foreign mem former members and relatives who feel abandoned by current followers. If someone has questions, they are referred to leadership who makes them feel they are being inappropriate or disrespectful, Martinez says. It's what all cults do. Stephen Allen Hussein, a mental health counselor in Summers, Summersville, Massachusetts, and author of two books on cults, says Remnant fits his description of a cult because it attempts to control members' behaviors, information, thoughts, and emotions. No legitimate religion tells you that you can't check things out. And he's right. Again, we have the world being more accurate than the church. I would never tell you not to check any of this stuff. I would tell you to check it all out. I mean, if you hear a pastor up there and you say, go go check this out, well, that's a good sign. That's not a bad sign. The night after the webcast, more than 200 people gather at the church for its camp, summer camp fundraiser. It's called, and then they have their, their garage band, their church garage band, Doug, called Hebronica. That's probably some, that probably like means Satan lives or something, who knows. Hebronica, the church garage band, plays Christian rock while parishioners perform 
the daughters of Jerusalem dance. A combination of square dance and, and the soul train line. Oh, but you know something, Doug? That's okay. That's okay, Lisa, that part. But don't you eat one extra bite or you're going to hell and burning forever and eternity. But you can have your soul train line and get the garage band going and all that other stuff. That's okay. They strain at gnats and swallow camels. That's what that Bible verse means. They're straining at gnats. You're going to go to hell if you eat one more bite and you get in any kind of gluttony ever. But they swallow camels. Oh, hey, it's okay to have a garage band and have soul train and square dancing and, so, and all this stuff combined in one. What fun. Give me a break. What vomit. This tune was written by Michael Shamblin. See, her, her, her kids are the ones that, that all lead the praise and worship in all the garage bands. Okay, And Elizabeth, her, her, her daughter, helped create the dance. The Daughters of Jerusalem dance. Nice. Trying to have a conversation about anything other than God and Gwen is virtually impossible. But I guarantee you, the conversation about God isn't centered on Bible. It's centered on their version of God. It should say little g instead of big G. The remnant script is composed of a few well-honed, insipid phrases. How was your weekend? Sounds like Mormonism. They have all these inscribed phrases, how they interact with people that are not part of them. Okay? How was your weekend? I asked one member. I've never been so blessed in my life, she responds. What a great recruitment tool. After the dance concludes, the church sets out a massive buffet that consists almost entirely... Hold on here. Consists almost entirely of desserts. Oh, nothing like tempting everybody. Tendies sample everything, but leave the bulk of it behind. It's as if there's a competition to see who can be satisfied with the least amount of food. This is, this is unbelievable. This is how they're basing their salvation on. Um, at least one remnant leader says she was devoted, was demoted for failing to slim down fast enough. Laura Nichols, who began teaching Way Down in 1988, decided after attending the remnant retreat in 2001 to leave her Southern Baptist congregation and start a remnant chapter in Houston. Funny thing was, was that my husband and I were told, my family, that we were. The funny thing was that. My husband and I only told my family what we were doing. She says, the fact that we kept it a secret from our friends should have been a warning, but we ignored it. When Nichols' weight plateaued at 280, oh, she's not good at it, whoa. She says Shamblin chastened her for not losing more and told her to stop being a billboard to sin. She had already had a gastric bypass, a gastric band put in and was eating a saucer food, of food per meal. Now she started eating only nine bites of food a day. Now, maybe this woman literally, if she's not lying here, maybe she really did have some type of freak thyroid problem. I don't know. She lost 13 pounds in 10 days, bringing her total weight loss to 70 pounds. Church leaders wanted more. Gwen told me to quit eating and that I had enough fat in my body to live off for many years. Um, so, this is the type of things that, you know, this is what it's all based on. Phillips also worried about the church's ideas on punishing children. She said she was urged to spank her four-year-old girl's bare bottom for nearly an hour for acting out in church. Now that is extreme. That is totally stinking extreme. And the church leader severely paddled her 10-year-old son. In July of 2003, Phillips made the decision to leave for good. I was convinced I was going to hell, but if I didn't have a choice, if it was to take care of my family, she said, I didn't have a choice if I was going to take care of my family. See, that's they get you to that point where you think you're going to go to hell in these cults. 
The decision to leave was confirmed in her mind later that year when the church member Joseph and Sonia Smith were arrested for allegedly beating their eight-year-old son to death. He died. They pleaded not guilty, and they will be tried in February. Shamblin calls claims of corporal punishment totally exaggerated. Well, of course she does. She's, she's the devil at the head of this thing. We are pro-discipline for children, always in, in a loving manner, right? But she was drawn into Smith's investigation when a former church member leaked the tape in a February 2003 conference call, which Sonia Smith discusses disciplining a boy by locking him in his room. Quote, we got everything out of there and locked him in there from Friday until Monday and left him only with his room with his Bible, Smith says on the tape, according to press accounts. That's a miracle, Shamlin responds. You've got a child that's going from bizarre to in control. So praise God. They locked their kid in a room from Friday to Monday and left him in there with the Bible? That's nuts. Show me that in the Bible. You spank them, you know, and you discipline them and you deal with them and you correct them, but there's no there's no scriptural precedence to do something sadistic like that. Yes? How did he eat? I don't know. I don't know if they fed him or not. Maybe they made him fast. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure that kid's going to grow up well-adjusted and loving God and loving the church. So that's that's all for that. Now, now uh, um, Doug, I, I just wanted to let you know, on the back here, we've got some things that you might be interested. Um, always 100% free. Choose from our amazing programs, Love Match, Tarot, Horoscope, and Dating. they got a they got a 24-7 uh, a, uh, party line, Doug, that never ends. And then next to that, they've got a Fixes Foot Problems. It's the yoga toes. Exercise muscles and realign the bones of the toes. So, Doug, I ordered you a gross of these. These yoga toes. You can wear them around, maybe. And, you know, something to think about, anyway. So, anyway. Um, uh, so, last trumpet newsletter. Um, I've been meaning to get to this for weeks. Literally. This one newsletter. And um, we read some verses here to start out with. It says, "So likewise, no, I'm fine. so likewise, when you see things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away." So the Bible says, "Heaven and earth shall, but my words shall not pass away. His true words will not." And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and cares of this life, so that it, so that, that day comes upon you as unawares. For as the snare shall come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Now that's Luke 21, 31 through 36. Well, I'm going to try to get through this last trumpet newsletter. Um, the second verse that, that um, he has here... Um, Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now the NIV renders this, How art thou fallen from Lucifer? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, morning star? That's how the NIV renders this verse. Now, if you have an NIV reference Bible, it'll take you over to Revelation where it talks about Jesus, the bright and morning star. So you could come away from this verse thinking that, that instead of this is the biography of Lucifer, it's the biography of Jesus Christ. It's how important it is to have the right Bible. How art thou cut down which, did weaken, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven, into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of thy congregation in the, in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. 
to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners? Hmm. That's going to be, that's old, old Lucifer, that's old Satan. That's what we're, that's, in the end, that's what we're going to say. We're going to look upon him and say these things. Is this the man? That's what the Bible says. Now, that's not yet, but right now he's is a roaring lion seeking whom, whom, whom he may devour. But that's where he's going to end up. That's his future. That's when, when it's all said and done, that's all that's going to matter, right there. But he's, gonna, he's mad, and he's trying to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. But again, the reason that he got into this state where he said, he said in thine heart, why did he, because of his merchandise, because of his traffic, because of his beauty. The love of money is the root of all evil. So it's, it's just a different perspective to, to look at this. Isaiah 61, 6 says, The Spirit of God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. See, it's always under the meek. It's never under the rich, typically. Under, because the meek are meek, and they will receive truth more readily than a rich man who's proud. A meek person is ready to receive truth. They know. They're humbled. They're meek. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on earth. But he also had a really bad temper. So you can still be meek and have a bad temper. Praise the Lord. Because I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm a raven lunatic, but I know that's one of the things I battle. Then he says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's what we're trying to do with all these Bible studies. We're trying to proclaim liberty to the captives. We're trying to set free. How do you set them free? Truth. He says, you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, how do you get free? How do you get the chains broken off? Truth. Applying, not just truth, but applying the truth. The real truth. In the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Ultimately, you do that through salvation, through Jesus Christ. In this issue of the Last Trumpet, we will consider the Bible verses above. As we examine the current condition of our nation and the world, thus become awakened to a shocking reality. The people of the United States are continually hearing about freedom, liberty, equality, and justice for all. The simple fact of the matter is that we are really enjoying all of those things. If we were really enjoying all those things, they would not have to constantly tell us these. this. Um, the word words mean nothing, and they only serve as a placebo and pacifier, unless there is true substance to them. Jeremiah sixteen fourteen makes the important point exceedingly clear as follows: They have also healed; they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, "Peace, peace," when there is no peace. That's exactly what they've done. Jeremiah six fourteen. They have healed also the hurt of the daughters of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. We've just got lies and lies and lies being thrown at us. Let me go ahead and split this message now. Okay, this is part two of our um, Bible study for January 14th, 2007, part two. And we're, we're already a little bit into the last trumpet newsletter. Um... And if you want to get this newsletter, you can go up online. They don't send it out, but you can go up there and download it. www.lasttrumpetministries.org um, Then he says, The vast majority of American people today are products of crafty manipulation through gradualism. See, gradualism. What's gradualism? Well, gradually, 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 
They're implementing all of these things subtly, 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 as Satan would do. And you just become immersed into it gradually. And before you know it, you're over your head in this thing and you're dead and you're drowned and you don't even realize it. You're, you're, you're gone. Do you have a question? Oh, okay. Uh, are you giving me the Cornudo sign? I don't want no Cornudo signs being flashed here. Oh, okay. I thought you had a little thumb and pinky a- or index and pinky action going on there. I don't want no Cornudo signs being flashed in this Bible study. I got to draw a line there. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> Thou art the man. <laughs> so anyway. Um, people are not looked at today as having individual rights, but rather as a collective society regulated by collective public policy. How can America be a nation of independence when the people are totally dependent on a governing power that watches and regulates them from cradle to grave? See, that's not biblical. That's not biblical at all, for, for the government to control every aspect of your life from cradle to grave. The people of the United States are truly enslaved people, and they are in bondage, just as the Bible said it would be in the last days, or the days of the beast. That is why Revelation 13, 16 uses the word bond to indicate slavery during the time of Antichrist rule. See, he's preparing the world for the time of Antichrist rule. See, if you think you're in bondage now, wait till you get to win the Antichrist is, when no man might be able to buy or sell, save he have the mark of the beast in his right hand or his forehead. That's going to be real bondage, you know? But that's where we're going to. So see, we've got to get to that point where we can finally get to that point where we can accept that, at least. That's why. That's what they're trying to do. Try to get us to that mindset. Um, Revelation 13, 16. And he causes all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, everybody, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads. Let it... Let... Here, let it be noted that the word bond means slave by definition and context. And don't believe Tim LaHaye's books where it says you can take that mark as long as your heart's in the right place and still be, you, you, you'll go to hell. The Bible says you will go to hell if you take that mark. Well, what's the alternative? Well, probably having your head chopped off. Well, you know something? Better to have your head chopped off and, 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 and to go through that, that time of torture, agony, or whatever they're going to do prior to them chopping your head chopped off and be in, in, with Jesus for eternity then the other solution, where you have a little bit of time here left on earth, and you, you can live a life where you, know, you serve the Antichrist, and you cow down, and then ultimately you're devoured and you die, and then you burn and rot in hell for, in the lake of fire for eternity. I mean, weigh the options out there. Because those are the two options. Those are the two options you have if, if you're there in the tribulation. Um, now, I'm sorry, I'm painting a rosy picture, but it's a, but it's a biblical picture. The entire nation of the United States consists of a population that is controlled and enslaved in many ways. It is a nation in bondage to addictions regarding not only illegal and prescription drugs, but also alcohol, pornography, gluttony, and every other form of carnal pleasure imaginable. As I see the long lines of people at the drugstores, the masses of people at the all-you-can-eat restaurants, <laughs> Baptists are real guilty of that one, as I see, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I don't normally go to an all-you-can-eat restaurant. I mean, it, it really is, it really, if you think about it, an all-you-can-eat restaurant really is encouraging gluttony. I mean, I think if there was any establishment that's encouraging it, I would normally never go to one of those things, as, at least since I've been a Christian, of my own volition. But it's common practice with Baptists to go to these things after the church services. Yes? Uh, one time I went to, I went to the and I ate the all you can Okay. Well... Okay, Taylor, I've never known you to be a glutton, though. A glutton is somebody that just keeps eating and eating and eating despite being full. 
Okay? It's just ridiculous. And it's sin. It is sin. Maybe I need to be more a little bit more like Pastor Gwen. I'm more and more I'm thinking I'm I've been missing the mark there, Doug. Thanks. We'll play Frisbee later. Anyway, um, so uh, we've got all these things going on. The mass of people at all you can eat restaurants, the adult entertainment centers all along the highways, and the large number of taverns and nightclubs. It becomes obvious that the same conditions that existed in ancient Rome, and I'm sure existed in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm sure existed right prior to the flood, because the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, as in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. All, that, all these conditions that existed there in ancient Rome, just before the empire fell, now exist in this country. They're all there, you know. I, I watched a documentary on the Romans last night. I mean, what a vile, vile culture that was. I mean, paganism ruled. Totally paganism was, was the thing that, that ruled. I mean, this is where we get the, the modern-day Catholic Church. They call it the Holy Roman Empire. Give me a stinking break. Rafi Zacharias called it the Holy Roman Empire this morning. I was, I've been sickened. And you got a guy giving out just gems of nuggets of, of biblical truth, and then he falls flat on his face by saying the Holy Roman Empire... Holy? Man, what is wrong with you? How could you be so right one minute and just so fallen on your face in the gutter the next? I don't understand that. If I'm doing that, please point it out to me. Because I don't, I don't understand how... I'm, I'm not asking the man to be perfect, but man, it's so prevalent with this preaching you hear on radios or whatever. Um... But that was a vile, vile culture, the Romans. I mean, they would go in, and I mean, they would they would basically go into these countries that they wanted to conquer, these areas. And I mean, they would kill, sometimes they would kill everybody. I mean, they would just decimate, purely because they were trying to eliminate competition, they wanted to steal the resources, um, they wanted to impose severe fear and intimidation, in the, so that you'll never, ever do this. Um, they were vile. I mean, bad, 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 bad. Um, so, and then it says, there's another addiction, however, that's even more destructive and enslaving than anything that has went on in the ancient world, or even in the world 30 years ago. It's the deceptive and realm of the electronic devices. A strange force that travels through resistors, capacitors, and microchips now snares and enslaves almost everyone. The electronic brain of the beast, or the internet, now runs the world. Now, I have to preface this. If it wasn't for the internet... I would not be at the level of knowledge that I'm at right now. It's not, but the Bible says in the end times knowledge would increase. Many would run to and fro, and knowledge would increase. Okay? So again, it's like money. It can be used for good or evil. Now, he's just totally throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but hold on. He's got an internet website. He's got an internet website where you can go get these things. That can be used for good, right? Well, now, let's not go so far off base as to throw the baby out of the bathwater. This whole thing with, with the IRS, with the Freedom to Fascism movement. You can go up there right now and watch the whole movie. There's more stuff coming out right now that is exposing this. Taylor, stop it. That is exposing the evil agenda. There's more things right now exposing the evil agenda going on in the Internet where you can go up and watch whole downloads of, of documentaries. I, got, I sent out one the other day. On, it's called The Future of Food tells us how our food is so tainted and how all the, the Monsanto, this, this uh, chemical conglomerate, the ones that make Roundup um, spray, and they're the ones that also make um, pesticides. They're also the ones that make aspartame. 
how they have come in and all the corrupt things they've done to the farmers. Of course, the farmers were went along with it, so it's hard for me to feel sorry for them, too. But, I mean, these are good things. This is what I put out on the Internet. This is what I put out in my news stories. These aren't evil things. These are exposing evil. So I don't go so as to far just totally throw the baby out of the bathwater. And if he were really saying what he meant, he wouldn't even have a website. But he's got a website. So, you know, let's go, let's have balance again. The electronic brain of the beast of the internet now runs the world. The electronic role-playing games now captivate and could destroy an entire generation of youth and even adults. I was at a uh, family gathering recently, and all the kids there, all the, 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 the adolescent boys, nobody in my family is really a Christian. And I went in there, and they were playing this game, and I just kind of want to see, you know, what's going on. I'm watching this game, and remember that? And, and they're, they're just, I mean, they're these big, gigantic military guys. And they're going and they're fighting other guys, the bad guys, and other devils and demons and things of this nature. And, I mean, it is gory. It is seriously, seriously gory. Blowing people apart. I mean, graphic, graphic. That's what they do. I told him, I said, this is a really good influence on you guys. I mean, this is going to teach you to be a kinder, gentler, isn't it? I mean, I was, you know how. funny, they're like, no, we're going to go get the kangaroo to the cotton candy. Yeah. I couldn't help but be sarcastic. Uh, I mean, when you see something that flagrant, how do you, how do you, I mean, and they don't have any comprehension of what, even though they go to church, but their parents, their parents don't say anything wrong. Taylor, I watched, I, I, yes, I did watch. I wanted to see Satan's devices. I wanted to see what was going on, what they were doing. I've never done that before. Well, I haven't. Do you, I don't do that. But I did, lest we be ignorant of Satan's devices. You know? Did I play it? No, didn't. So anyway. That's right. Fantasy. Right. Right. Yep. Well, well, I think it is. I think it is a military recruitment tool. I think it's a recruitment tool for the for the um, one world government and the Antichrist. I think that it's it's conditioning for blood, gore, death, conditioning to not value life. I think that's what it's all conditioning for. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what happens with these video games is is that you get obsessed with it. I hadn't seen any of the uh, any of these recent video games probably in years, but this was the first opportunity I had to firsthand witness one of the new uh, video games that are out. And I mean, the graphics are they're pretty amazing. I mean, every, how everything's set up, but it's totally purely. I mean, these guys have elaborate conversations with one another. They're not cussing in the conversations, but they're actually having dialogue like a soldier would have with another one about going here and going there. It's it's amazing the the programming that has to be done in order to do this. I can't even fathom it. Well that's what that's what Satan is always doing. He's putting a bigger, bigger carrot out there so everybody can have it. Yeah. Well this one this one new one that they just released where they were were camping out here in our own town for two days before the game came out. Prior to Christmas. Two days. They were camping out. 
and almost every one of those were doing it purely because they were going to turn around, put it on eBay, and sell it. Because they could get triple to quadruple the amount of money. It wasn't a bad investment if you looked at although I wouldn't do it because you're selling the devil. But anyway, um, so um, the electronic role-playing games now captivate and could destroy an entire generation of youth and even adults. At the same at the at this time of the year, people are rushing out to buy gifts. Now this was written, I think, for December. Rushing out to buy gifts that are inadvertently celebrate the death of God's two witnesses of the spirit of witnesses of spirit and truth that are supposed to be working in Christianity but have now been replaced with religious entertainment. We are told of this gift giving and making Mary once making Mary once truth has been cast off. A Revelation eleven ten says as follows and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. Now this is when they kill the two witnesses in Jerusalem, okay? And make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. Well, that's what we should be doing as Christians. Honestly, I mean, really, is 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 destitute of truth. Our presence should torment other people to a certain extent. I mean, if we're putting out truth. Now, I'm not saying we impose, we shove things down down people's throats, but if they come to you for truth and you give it to them, it's probably not going to be stuff they want to hear. That's why most of us in this room, or, or people that would embrace this type of truth, would have a very close circle of friends. Because you're not going to have friends if you're going to really operate in truth, especially in today's day and time. So, you know, it sounds like Christmas here. They, but they died. Um, and, but then again, they were, they were basically resurrected a couple, was it two or three days later? Indeed, the most popular gifts are electronic games and related equipment. In this world of electronic inter- enslavement, Satan and his pulsating brain, also known as the World Wide Web, controls almost everyone with, with a set of three-digit numbers. Now, he's saying 999, but I've heard WWW means 666 in some kind of lingo. I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get super dogmatic. Um, the bank routing numbers for checking accounts are always nine digits. The zip code now has nine digits. The social security also has nine digits. How many transactions require these nine, these, these three nines? We must remember that in the world of the occult, words often are spelled backwards. Numbers are often inverted to be written upside down when possible. This is believed to amplify the power of the word or the number. The word murder is written red rum, which is the mere image. Um... The Freemasons mark sign of death to a traitor is the upside-down, double-headed axe. And there are many other examples of these inversions. Thus, the number of the beast, or 666, is in the inverted 999. And almost every American is ruled by these three above-mentioned nine-digit numbers. The reality of this all is right before your eyes, and no, one, and no thinking person can deny it without question. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled as we read this. Now again, that's another something to always keep in mind. This is just Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Don't get all upset and depressed and, and, and this and that about it. The Bible predicted it was going to happen. Know that you are blessed because you can see it. Most people can't even see it. So you're, you're in a position right now, if you're listening to this, and, and, and this hasn't totally offended you, and you can, you, can, you can receive truth like this, that's a good position to be in. Because you're not so far gone as, as where you can't even embrace truth at this point. You can't, you're not, if you can receive this, which is a good sign as a Christian. Um, 
this means we are very close to entering eternity, I urge you to call upon the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, now before it's too late. Time is short and the days are evil. Truly, this is the time of nations rising against nations, just as our Savior said it would have been in the time prior to his return to earth. According to Revelation 20, the great sign that Satan has been loosed is now in the world, is loosed, is that he would go to every part of the earth and gather all nations into a one world government. We are now seeing a realignment of nations with wars and rumors of wars continually. The war in Iraq, that ancient land of Euphrates River, with all of its prophetic significance, is truly a sign of the times. I predicted from the start of this senseless war that it would be yet just another Vietnam, and President Bush finally admitted that, the, that in fact, he admitted that, in fact, to George Stephanopoulos. Now, he's got all of these things referenced. So when he says something, he's actually got the reference where he said it. That's another thing I like about his newsletters. He references everything. Strangely enough, President Bush is in Hanoi, the capital of the communist Vietnam, as I write this newsletter. He also made an unscheduled stop at communist headquarters. There are always spiritual reasons for such a visit at certain strategic times. Watch for major events to unfold very soon. President Bush has shown his true colors enough to cause more and more people to see him for what he is. Anti-Bush protests are breaking out all over America. This is true. Um... <clears throat> But they are getting almost no press coverage, of course, because they control the, the press. Even military leaders are speaking out about Iraq. One example is General Mike Hagee, who just a few days ago left his position as command commandant of the entire United States Marine Corps. General Hagee visited Iraq more than any other military leader, leader and arrived in the war-torn country every two months. General Hagee stated that con he continually tried to get Washington to tell him what the plan was for phase four, which was the occupation of Iraq, and Washington would not tell him. General Hagee said he had never heard back from the Bush administration because there was no plan at all for a post-Saddam Iraq. In other words, our government's not planning on that. We're just planning on staying there permanently because Iraq is ancient Babylon, which is ancient Shinar, and that's one of the occulted jewels that I believe our country wants to have in its crown. Um, that's part of the reason. Another part is oil. There, and another part is, the longer we can make a, a, a war go on, the longer all the war contractors and all the people that makes the, bullet, the bullets and the helicopters and the guns and the planes are still making millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're all buddies with Bush, where he has vested interests with all of them. And Cheney. So it's all one big, totally super corrupt thing that we're dealing with over there. Now that the 2006 election is over, Democrats have gained power. We will have a more different, now we will have more and different problems. We must always remember that both Democrats and Republicans are completely controlled by the unseen government of the Illuminati, and they perform like trained seals for the masterminds of the great old age, age old satanic conspiracy. The Democrats are planning for troop cuts leading to a draw from Iraq within the months. The war in Iraq has become a fiasco, just as it was designed to be. Just as Vietnam was likewise orchestrated, it was Henry Kissinger who advocated the concept of a no-win war, stating that wars are not fought for decisive victory, but to realign the world order. That's all this is. That's all we're dealing with. Now we have learned that Donald Rumsfeld, who was Secretary of Defense, was the custodian of this atrocious war, is now facing prosecution for criminal charges and a lawsuit filed in Germany. Now you know Ronald, Donald Rumsfeld resigned recently. He's gone. He's out of there. The charges of torture and other crimes against humanity are also being brought against Attorney General 
Alberto Gonzalez, and the former CIA director, George Tenet. According to the attorneys in Germany, Brigadier General Janice Karpazny will be testifying against the defendants. The atrocities of this war committed by both sides have been many. Our presence in Iraq and what we have done to that country has so enraged large elements of, Muslim, of the Muslim world that the four major terror groups have now announced a major offensive against the United States. A spokesman for the terrorist group recently said, We call upon all Mujahideen in Palestine and around the world to start hitting Americans without mercy. Now this is a quote. The Americans seem to not understand any language but that of blood and violence. Americans will soon be subjected to our plans. Now see, the thing is, is it's not the average American that's over there doing this. It's really the, the big guys like Bush and them that are calling the shots. Of course, they're controlled by the Illuminati. And what it's doing is, is like I said, <laughs> all it's going to take, all it's going to take is either a collapsing of, our, of the dollar. There's nothing back in it, so that could happen easy. Terrorist strike. Um, avion flu hitting, or a suitcase nuke. One of these things, and they're going to impose martial law in America. And we're going to stay in martial law. And you're not going to be able to get out of here even if you wanted to. You're not going to, they're going to seal the stinking borders. They're going to do everything, and then we're going to be under... I think it's worst case scenario from then on out. I think you, you might as well just consider yourself a dead man walking. If, and now, not to say God cannot protect you. But I'm just telling you, for the most part, if you're going to stand for truth, if you're not going to cow down to them, when they, once they impose martial law, I mean, you better. You're, I mean, if you're not relying on the Lord right now, you better start because if you're not, then you're going to fall away. You're not going to be able to bear up under what they've got coming for us. This is why I'm not real wild about staying in America. I'll be honest with you, I see it coming. I know it's coming. Um, in addition to impeding escalation of terrorism. Iran has now doubted its nuclear, doubled its nuclear enrichment capacity. And this is Iran now. Iran has also announced that the nuclear program is nearly complete. And they will soon celebrate that completion. We also know that the UN inspectors have recently found weapons-grade plutonium at the Iranian site. The Iranian leader, Amaja Dad, made the intentions clear and announced the complete destruction of Israel state with the following words. The Western powers created the Zionist regime in order to expand its control of that area. This regime massacres Palestinians every day. Uh, but since this regime is against nature, we will soon witness its disappearance and, and destruction. Well, they ain't going to destroy Israel, sorry. And I, don't, and I don't feel sorry for the Muslims one single bit. Not one bit. Nobody's going to convince me that these poor, innocent people... No. No way. I'm not saying the Zionist Jews at that level are not evil. But they're no more evil than those stinking Muslims that basically are commanded to kill anybody that doesn't convert to their religion. And that's what they're, that's, we, we proved that last week when I read those quotes from the Quran. In a recent article featured by Reuters, the Israelis have now designed a new weapon based on a nanotechnology called a bionic hornet. It is a miniature high-tech robot no larger than a hornet. And it is able to chase, photograph, and kill its targets, even in the narrowest, hardest-to-reach places. Whoa! That's pretty amazing. Can you imagine a little thing flying after you? You better know Jesus Christ if that thing's coming after you. I believe God could rebuke that thing, but that's going to be your only hope. How are you going to, What are you going to do, swat it away? It is, an, is a, it is an amazing electronic killer bee or hornet, and I have read about it. I remember the words Deuteronomy 7.20 says, Moreover, the Lord thy God will send 
a hornet among them until they are left, and hide themselves from thee, and and hide themselves from thee, be destroyed. Tensions are running high as the world moves closer to World War Three. Now, this is another thing that can impose martial law in this country. Just World War Three, even if we didn't have any of those things I said before, World War Three would most likely bring about one of those four scenarios that I just laid down. Um, tensions are running high. As the world moves closer to World War III, President Bush recently warned Northern Korea to not sell their atomic bombs to Iran. As North Korea has the atomic bomb and Iran has missiles capable of delivering it to the targets as far away as Europe. Uh, meanwhile, North Korea notified Red China that they are soon able to test three more atomic bombs. The Middle East is ready to erupt in the war. The Israeli fighter planes are now continually being flown into Lebanese airspace, despite being warned not to do so. Germany is angered by the Israelis because two F-16s warplanes were attacked and fired upon a German patrolling ship in Lebanese waters. Um, this goes on more and more about confirmation on that. Um, Russia has now surpassed the United States in the sales of arms and has sold $700 million worth of surface-to-air missiles to Iran and eight new aerial refueling tankers to Red China. See, if we, if we attack Iran, we're going to have to deal with Russia. Now that right there could, could spark World War III. Um, there's not much time left. Is the earth getting ready to receive her king? We know that the world rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and crucified him. What, Taylor? I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying any place on earth. You have to be led of the Lord. Period. That's the only way. You're, wherever the Lord wants you, that's the only place you're going to be safe. It's going to be a different dynamic in other countries, I believe, because there's not the same emphasis on destroying the middle class. Because, well, I don't know. I don't know. It, like I said, the only safe place is where God wants you. Okay? Um... So, um, is the earth getting ready to receive her king? Um, the world rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified him when he came the first time. The rejection continues and, the, and will continue to the end. In John 5.43, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another come in his own name, him ye shall receive. That's where we're at right now. Thus the world leader that will be received is an antichrist. For many antichrists of these last days... One will surface and rule with power of glo global governance. True. On September 28th, the Daily Mirror in London, England, featured a story with the headline, Clinton, the man who would heal the world, end of quote. In the article, Clinton was referred to as a preacher man and the first global politician. The British people also were thrilled with his speech and shouted as he proclaimed the need for world citizenry. Yeah. Hillary Clinton is also causing a political stir. And the political analysis, Dick Moore stated that she will be the next president of the United States. And that's another reason I want to get out of here. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't imagine. Anyway, um, Morris will be speaking in Escambia, Michigan, when she stated that Hillary Clinton will soon win the Oval Office. Now, remember, they, they predetermine who's going to win and who's not. Our votes mean nothing at that level. They mean nothing. Okay, it's all rigged. If you doubt that, go to votescam.com and... And if you can refute that whole website, we'll talk. They just had a big thing on HBO. HBO! 
the other night where it proved that these things are totally being rigged and they're easily rigged and it was HBO, a secular news, you know, wicked. He went on to describe Hillary as very ruthless and a European socialist. Well, she is. She is. That's pretty good. Moore said she would not be a good president. Another antichrist recently spoke at the United Nations. Benjamin Cream addressed the nations on July 2006 in the Dag Hashmush Kovod Auditorium in the, United in the United Nations building. In his speech, he touted the power of the one he calls Lord Maitreya and said, humanity has to wake up. Maitreya comes to waken humanity and to guide us out of the morass into which we have fallen. He comes to show that there is a simple way, a simple path, to share and create justice. Then wars will cease. Isn't how, that how he's going to come? He's going to come as a man of peace. He's going to create a covenant. He's going to confirm the covenant for a week, for seven years. He's going to probably be the one that brings temporary peace between the Muslims and the Jews. That's how he's going to come, with all line signs and wonders. It said that he's going to come with a bow with no arrows. He's not going to have arrows. He's going to come as with peace. Betrayer comes to waken humanity and to guide us out of the morass we, we have fallen. Um, terrorism will be no more. The world will have its own destiny, and that destiny will carry out under the inspiration and guidance of Maitreya and his group of masters. End of quote. Benjamin Cream. Who's Benjamin Cream? He is the basically the false prophet for Lord Maitreya. He is the he is the the John the Baptist for Maitreya. Maitreya. Lord Maitreya, who's that? Well, he has his own UN-sponsored website up on the thing. Go to Share International, I believe it's .org, or just, or just do a keyword search for Lord Maitreya and Share International. You'll find it. You'll find there. Now, it doesn't say UN-sponsored anymore, but when it first came out, and I've got, I've got a copy of it when it first came out, the United Nations sponsors this. And he spoke here. Benjamin Cream is his false prophet. Lord Maitreya... Um, it, when he appears, he's got his own website and it shows where he's appeared, or it doesn't exactly, sh it'll, it'll show the town he appeared in and how many times he spoke. And on this UN-sponsored website, it has all these places in 2005, 2004, 2006, where he actually will appear spontaneously in a church, speak for anywhere from 10 to 25 minutes, and then disappear. Lord Maitreya. Well, you think that's a little bit impressive? For people, especially if people aren't even grounded in the Bible? Yeah, he's he's nasty dude. I mean, his first miracle was in, um, I believe it was in Nairobi, Kenya, and he just appeared to everybody, healed a whole bunch of people. I got the pictures of him being there. Got in a taxi cab. Guy started driving down the road. Got, I don't know, five or ten miles down the road after it was all over. He says, okay, let me out here. Lord Matray gets out of, the, out of the thing, and right in front of the taxi cab driver, he just disappears. Ho-ho! What's that for Satan? He comes with all lying signs and wonders. Now, Lord Matray is just one of the big ascended masters that I've been researching. There's Saint Germain, there's Lord Matreya, there's Sananda, uh, there's Hanton. Now, Hanton claims to be the, the ruler of the universe. He claims to be the creator of everything. Hanton has come out and absolutely totally admitted that he is a large gray alien. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm telling you right now, these are the ascended masters he's talking about here. Sananda... Um, 
is the one I believe that's going to come back. Sananda, I forget the one that looks exactly like Jesus Christ. Um, one of them looks exactly like Jesus Christ, and one of them has nail prints in their hands. So see, they're going to come back with all nine signs and wonders and deceive many. But see, it's the, the mystery of iniquity has to be working to a certain point where God permits this to happen. He's giving us over to our own lusts, is really what's happening. I've been trying to keep a close eye on him for a long time. I first learned about that New Testament Baptist church, what? I don't know, probably at the same time, World War III, and, and whoever comes to the forefront, whether whether the Antichrist really is Lord Maitreya, whether it's somebody else, I don't know. I can't be super dogmatic. What? The Mark of the Beast, I don't believe, comes until... It doesn't, that doesn't even come until midway through. It doesn't even come until three and a half years into the tribulation. He's got to have three and a half years to lull us to sleep, too. You know. So anyway... Um, he comes to show us there is a simple way out. Right. He's a devil. These last days before the return of Savior Jesus Christ are unlike any other. We live in a world of databases, biometrics, constant surveillance, DNA technology, dark secrets regarding authorities, and no privacy among the general populations. The London Daily Telegraph recently featured a story entitled Your Life in Their Lens. The story went on to explain the many ways that people are watched and controlled at this very time. We now learn that the largest issuer of credit cards in the world, Citibank, is launching a pilot project in Singapore where 190,000 credit card holders are be giving are given biometric capabilities. That means like um, a signature, or like a thumbprint, or an eye scan. These are biometric identifiers that are unique to your body. And they're credit. They're going to incorporate it into the credit cards. No credit cards or signatures will be used by these people. They will use fingerprint scanning with a PIN number for all buying. And other transactions. Well, that's getting even closer to the mark of the beast. They're just going to use thumb thumbprint, plug in your your pin number, and away you go. That's not too far off from having a chip implanted in your hand or your forehead, and you just scan it. Then you even got to enter in a pin number. Jonathan Larson of Citibank announced that shortly all Citibank customers worldwide will be given the system of transacting business. Think about it. The time has now come when people worldwide will be transacting business without cash, checks, plastic cards, or signatures. Now, there is one website up on the internet that I know of called privacyworld.com. I don't know if it's privacy-world. Anyway, do a keyword search for privacy world. And they have got everything in that site you could imagine. As far as, they've got this thing called a freedom phone, which is a, it's an untraceable phone. It does not have a GPS thing where they can track you. They have anonymous credit cards, they have anonymous debit cards, they have anonymous ATM cards, they have anonymous everything. Okay, so, if you have the money, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad thing to do, because I, I'm just of the opinion that the, the less they know about me, the better. Because the more things you give in, the more things you're doing in that system, the more ways they have to track you. And the more things they can take away from you when it gets bad. One of the objectives of the invisible, conspiratorial global government is to manage and control health of every human being. That is why there are organizations such as the World Health Organization, Centers for Disease Control. We all know that the Savior Jesus Christ warned us that one of the great signs of the end would be a predominance of pestilences and diseases. And Luke 21.11 gives us a clear statement on that. And the United States, there is one... Uh, we have... Uh, in the United States, there is one problem after another. We have unclean air from chemicals sprayed in the atmosphere, chemtrails, food contaminated with radiation, 
and added as a bacteria in unsafe water with toxins, chlorine and fluoride being added. It has been said that one sign of a third world country is when the people must buy bottled water. In mid-September, 20 states were hit by a deadly outbreak of E. coli linked to spinach. Um, in our sex-mad country, there is such prevalence of sexually transmitted diseases that the Centers for Disease Control is now inducing the government to compel all Americans to be routinely tested for HIV at the age of 13 up to the age of 65. On July 20th, uh, 2006, ABC News released a story which told of an artificial blood being used throughout America without informed consent. Artificial blood. I put a big email out on this. Northfield Labs experimental blood substitute, Polyheme, is being tested on unwitting patients in 23 hospitals in 20 cities. They're not even telling them. Whereas you're going to get it and you're not even going to know it. And then we're going to monitor you. The FDA gave special approval for the sequel project. We do have a list of hospitals by the state and city available for the asking. I already sent all this out to my email list. Um, America has now become a land of prescription drug junkies. The adverse react... Hey, I got this guy. I'm just trying to start up. He's on 11, 12 meds. I mean, we're talking nasty meds. And I told him, I said, I said I'm sorry, but, you know, this man's only hope is, is weaning himself off these poisons... And getting on, I said, oh, he's dead. He's a dead man. Well, I'm, he is. And, and, I mean, I'm pretty blunt about things anymore. But I'm telling him the truth. You cannot drug your body into good health. But this is, this is average. You see this, everybody. Well, that's what they want. They want a dumbed-down, drug-controlled society that they can manipulate. And he feels terrible. He, he would rather die than feel the way he's in right now. I don't know. It's unbelievable. Um... The fact that he would ever let himself get to that point is what's incomprehensible to me. The fact that he wouldn't seek things out. But it's not him, it's everybody. Mostly, they don't, you know, they just go along with what he's ever told them. Um, adverse reactions from such approved medications now send 700,000 people to the emergency room yearly. We must also consider many senior citizens who are in nursing homes and old enough to remember how America used to be prior to it being taken over. A full 30% of these nursing home residents are being given anticholinergic drugs as sedatives, antihistamines, antidepressants, and antispasmodic medications. Anticholinergic drugs interfere with the acetylcholine, which is the memory molecule of the brain. They want you to have no memory of these things, of the way it used to be. Thus, memory is impaired or even lost. 5% of nursing home residents take five or more of these types of drugs at one time. 51% in general... 51% of the general population of the United States uses anticholinergic drugs. 51%. And they destroy your memory. Oh. Destroy your brain. That's what they want. No wonder so many people in our nation have impaired memory and cannot concentrate long enough to ascertain truth. Well, maybe that's another reason that, that people can't get to truth. You know something? I'm sorry. To me, that still doesn't give them... The, I, I, I'm no different than anybody else. I didn't have, I mean, I've had to work too. I've had to do these types of things, and I still was able to search these things. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want it. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, we read as follows. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. One way to blind the mind is to use drugs. 
Another thing to consider about food is the fact that one year ago, the Food and Drug Administration approved the use of what they call a safe virus to be sprayed on meat and poultry to kill unwanted bacteria. They're spraying a virus on meat and poultry to kill unwanted bacteria. Now, there is a mixture of six viruses that are now being used for that purpose. The viral preparation is made by Intralix, Inc., who petitioned the FDA to use it as an additive. When we consider the use of people when we consider the use of such virus cocktails on meat and radiation also used on it, we are also made to wonder about the vast numbers of people with digestive and stomach problems. Our bodies were never intended to ingest viruses purposely. Incidentally, when a product when a food product is irritated, the word radiation is not used. Such radioactive bombardment of our food means waste from our nuclear reactors is called cool pasteurization. Now they irradiate the food to a they, they x-ray and irradiate the food to such a level that you would never, ever, ever go and uh, get this amount of radiation in, in an x-ray. It's far, far, far beyond that. They do that to the meats. You know, they're just doing everything in the world they can to kill us, is really the way I see it. That's why I'm real big on eating organic. Certified organic. I mean, not to say that they're not trying to get to that too, but it's a whole lot better than what you're going to get in, a, uh, in the grocery store. Another thing to consider about food is the fact that one year ago... Oh, no, hold on. We already read that. Another outrage that is going on these days is the macabre and grotesque selling of body parts, usually bones for hip replacements and dental implants. The practice is widespread. On October 18, 2006, seven funeral directors entered a plea of guilty in New York for plundering corpses and selling body parts. Some of the undertakers have become millionaires from this ghastly commerce. Love of money is the root of all evil. How many people in our nation now have bones and teeth that were harvested from a corpse in preparation in the preparation room for the funeral home? Fun. We have now learned that equipment is being tested for use on passengers at airports that will do a compulsory biometric scan to a lie detector test. It's the it's compulsory biometric scan similar to a lie detector test. The passenger sits in a booth with one hand inserted into an electronic device. The other hand is used to push buttons to answer questions about their trip plans. The machine measures blood pressure, pulse, sweat levels, and the data is analyzed by software. The invasive equipment was developed by the Israelis and was first tested in the United States. Can you imagine trying to get on a plane and you've got to go through a stinking lie detector test? It's coming! In July 2006, our U.S. government also tested a new kind of lie detector, which is actually a magnetic resonance Imaging devices, MRI. The much smaller version of the MRI allows the brain to be visibly watched while questions are asked to us to detect lies. According to Joel Hunzega, the device is 90% accurate. Indeed, these are strange times when it seems that all hell has broken loose. How did things get this bad? And where are the Christians? Where is the restraint against evil? Because they're not being Christians. They're not being salt and light. They're just sitting back, oh, it's not my problem. Oh, it can't be this bad. No, no, I guess my, you know, I'm just going to ignore what the Bible says. In fact, I didn't even crack the team to know what it really says. In fact, I got a false version. In fact, I'm in a 501c3 church where all I'm going to get is, is, or most of what I'm going to get is not true anyway. Because they're under the spirit, they're under the influence of those devils over the church, over the government. Yeah. Yeah, we got our Christian rock and, and all of our stuff, all of our programs, all of our feel good doctrine. Yeah, we got all that going on. We got our women preachers in the pulpit. We got our gay clergy. We got, well, we're so liberal. We're granted to do these things. We're delivered to do these things. We're so holy. No, God's judgment's coming. And judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. So, guess where it's coming first? 
And I think we are ground zero, being a Christian in America, judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. We are ground zero to be judged in this country as apostate Christians. Now, I'm not talking about the people in this room, or necessarily the people that would be listening to a tape like this. But, for the most part, that's what's going to happen. Where are the true Christians? There are not many of them left in America. In Pakistan, Red China, and other countries, we hear reports of true praying and active Christians who are persecuted, beaten, and killed for their faith. This is true. Not a whole lot of that going on here yet. Here in America, things are quite different. A church is supposed to be a place of true worship and a place where spiritual battles are fought and won. I have in front of me an article about many Christian clowns who perform in churches all over America. The article contains pictures of many clowns and is entitled, Blessed are the Silly. Has the blood-bought gospel been reduced to a realm of clowns and ventriloquists and magicians, which that's in the realm of witchcraft, ventriloquism and magicians, this past Halloween USA featured a story about a Christian church entitled Holy Halloween, which was told of the fantasy parties being held for children in churches. Isn't that great? Turn our little ones into doubles. The Bible says that, that if you do this to your kid, you hate him. It says you hate him. When you don't discipline him with the rod, well, how much worse if you take him to one of these things and let the devil just permeate his soul? How much do you hate your kid? In November, issue of The Last Trump, and I mentioned that Tim LaHaye, nonsense in the form of a video game pertaining to Left Behind Entertainments. I was criticized for condemning the role-playing game. It's so bad that this pastor would be criticized for condemning Tim LaHaye's role-playing game, where you can go around and you, and you forcibly convert Christians like a Muslim would, and you basically either kill them or, or, or whatever. They convert or they die. Um... But he was, he was condemned for, for, for his condemnation of the role-playing game. And I must say that the threatening letters written by fundamental so-called Christians are far more caustic and abrasive than the, one I, than the ones I received from real witches. He gets more caustic letters from, quote, fundamental Christians. This is just insanity. Um... The written and photographic evidence against this game is so overwhelming, but so many professing Christians are mentally and spiritually stone-cold blind. Amen. New York Magazine published a story about this game on October 16, 2006. The article was entitled, quote, The Rapture Takes Manhattan. And it shows Manhattan burning while Christian children take the role of snipers and infantrymen in the religious military battles. Have these professing Christians never read second second? Corinthians 10.4, which says, For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through pull, the pulling down of strongholds. In Germany, and where it also says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. What about that verse too? In Germany, 52 so-called biblical separatists have now unveiled a politically correct Bible which eliminates what they call divisive teaching. Oh good, Doug, we finally got it. We've been waiting all our lives, Doug, for this Bible to come out. We finally got it. Okay, Taylor. I'm almost done. Um, 52, okay, so we've got 52 so-called biblical separatists. Yeah, they're real separated from the Bible. They're all the way into hell. That's how separate they are. They, they finally unveiled the politically correct Bible. Which eliminates what they call divisive teaching. Well, isn't that funny? Jesus says, I came not to bring 
peace but a sword? What does a sword do? It divides. What does it say? Doesn't it say the word of God, uh, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joint marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart? Doesn't it say the sword of the spirit is a divider? Didn't Jesus say he came not to bring peace but division, but a sword? And mother will be against daughter, and daughter against mother, and father against son. Oh, huh. What about all those verses, huh? They just ignore all those. See, this very same word that they're ignoring and perverting is going to be the very same word that judges them. And when they go into the lake of fire, and they hear, depart from me, I never knew you, and they go into the lake of fire, these words are going to resonate throughout their head for eternity. Oh, that's hard preaching. That, that's not nice. Well, I'm sorry, but I guarantee you that's going to be the case. They're not going to forget. I don't believe they're going to be permitted to get for, forget for eternity. I don't believe they are. They're going to have the Word of God ringing in their head. Um, this Bible has Jesus praying to His mother and father in heaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In Goddess We Trust, you know, the whole thing. There in Onetta. The mother, the father, and the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what they that's what they believe the Trinity is. That's what the Mormons believe. If you if the truth be known, so it's a little known doctrine. But if you really really get into the Mormon teaching, they believe that that that, it's, that in fact I pinned the pinned the guy down on this one time. I said, "What is the name of this mother you're talking about?" I never heard of this. Oh, it's not even permissible to to, to, to utter her name. That's what he told me. He did. I was on the phone with the guy. He was in Utah. I said, what do you mean it's not permissible? Oh, she's so holy, we don't even enter, we don't even utter her name. I said, I can see why you keep this, this under wraps. Because you're nothing more than a stinking cult, is all you are. I sent all his stuff back with, because uh, I had got some um, stuff from, it had, was on an unrelated issue, I got some stuff about um, some things regarding constitutional issues and things of that nature. Some of it he was right on about, but then when I realized where he was coming from, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. I want nothing to do with him. The guy was a devil. Um, this Bible has Jesus praying to his mother and father in heaven, and all references referring to Jesus as the Son of God now read Child of God. I agree. He had, he had an earthly Mary, you know, but, but it wasn't... Right. At the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., Catherine Jefford Scoey, a flaming outspoken lesbian, was installed as a powerful bishop in the Episcopal and Anglican province. She insists that the church must marry and bless homosexuals. She received blessings from the church and also from a Jewish rabbi and a leader in Islam. The woman is now head of the entire Anglican church in America. A rabid lesbian bishop over the whole Anglican church. Good for them. Let them help yourself. That's what I say. Incidentally, the Anglican church now endorses the killing of disabled babies as soon as they're born. Well, why not? I mean, if you have a rabid lesbian at the head of the Anglican church, why not? Anything goes at that point. There seems to be a major deterioration in all religions as Satan takes his throne among them. Yep. Even the United Synagogue of the Conservative Judaism has announced the forthcoming lifting of a ban against gay rabbis. Um, according to Rabbi Jerome Epstein. We're going to have gay rabbis now, Doug. With all the religious nonsense that has replaced the earnest contending for faith once delivered to the saints, where does it say that in Jude, verse 2, it is no wonder that the New York Times recently published an article 
entitled, Evangelicals Fear the Loss of Their Teenagers. Well, you know, they should. They should. The story tells the great falling away of the evangelical Christian youth. I know this article is accurate. Many are now initiated witches occupying covens in the United States. They are children of fundamentalist Christian ministers, grew up in Sunday school, and on church benches. Church leaders and parents will find Judgment Day intolerable because of their failure to lead spiritually. Now again, take that with a grain of salt. Some people that have tried to raise their kids right, and they chose to do this and chose to go down that road, that's their choice. Okay? So let's you know, we have to preface that. As we conclude our 25th year of publishing of Last Trumpet, we move into our 26th year of publication. I can say positively that the Lord and Savior is soon to return. Earthquakes are not just happening throughout the world, but they're happening in swarms. October 25th, there was a swarm of 70 earthquakes in Yellowstone Volcanic Caldera and another series of quakes near Bar Harbor, Maine. Earthquakes have been recorded in North Carolina, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Powerful quakes have hit that were so strong they even affected California. The massive crescendo seems to be building with all the filth and evil in our land. It's no wonder that the earth is shaking as never before. This includes the examine, the awakening of numerous volcanoes. It is an interesting note that the ruins of the ancient city of Pompeii were examined. They revealed that this ancient city was destroyed by a volcano. This ancient city that was destroyed by a volcano was one of heavy prostitution and vice. Ruins of brothels were discovered with erotic images and signs that said Luparne which is a word taken from the Latin word lupa, which means prostitute. That word lupa means, has the same root as a she-wolf. History teaches unlearned lessons. Signs of the end are everywhere, including a mysterious black cloud of toxic nitrogen dioxide, which have hanged over Egypt. Cloud of pollution threatens the, the, li the lives of 16 million residents in Cairo. We have also learned that NASA is seeking a man who would be willing to land on an asteroid which is on a collision course with the USA, with the Earth, and use explosives to deflect it. According to NASA, it's heading directly at us at a current speed of 30,000 miles per hour. At that speed, it should hit Earth in 30 years. Could it speed up? Only God knows. I don't know. I'm not going to worry myself about stuff like that. The world is not going to be destroyed. Oh, we're not going to be that lucky. You know, you think about it. If, if we were all taken out with a meteor or some cataclysmic event and vaporized in a millisecond. That's not a bad way to go. I, hey, it'd be one of my first choices. You're, you're not going to suffer long. You know, let me be right under the meteor when it hits. Let, let it hit me on the head. <laughs> so what? You're in glory. Absent from the body, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep, none of that junk. So anyway, another lighthearted, whimsical, fun-filled sermon Sorry. Anyway, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer here. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. And I, I, I praise you, Lord God, that you let us gather here week after week in and week out. I pray, God, that you would, Lord God, bless Nonetta and, and Lisa and Doug, Lord God, in their households. I pray to God that you would save, Lord God, our unsaved family members, for it's your will that not one would perish and that all would come to repentance. And those that you've put in our lives, God, I pray that we would be salt and light to them. I do pray, God, for us corporately, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form, Lord. And that you would wipe our slate clean, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, Lord. And if there is anything separating us from you, that you would reveal that to us clearly, plainly. And that not only you would reveal it to us, Lord God, but you would give us the strength, the power, the zeal, um, the wherewithal to act on it and to 
change ourselves, Lord, but I know we can't do it apart from the, and only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we do these things, for we were helpless apart from you. And I just pray to God that you impart that to us, God, in a tangible way that we would be able to act on these things. Because there's always things I know that we can do to be more pleasing in your sight, to, to draw closer to you, God. And you said in your word, if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. So I do pray, God, for these things, Lord. I pray, God, if there's any ones in our lives that we have not forgiven totally, thoroughly, and utterly, that we would do this, God. For you said in your word, if we don't forgive those who have sinned against us, we're not going to receive your forgiveness. And I just pray, God, that we would do this. I, do, I pray, God, that the people in this room and the body of Christ would be used, that Taylor, Lord God, would be used in a mighty way, Lord God, for your glory. Lord God, for the sake of the souls that need to be saved, I pray to God that that would be the case. I do pray, God, that you would give us clear instruction in regard to where you would have us go in the future, God. You said in your word, the prudent man foseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on are punished. But you also said, he that seeks to save his life shall lose it. But he that seeks to lose his life for my sake shall find it unto life eternal. So Lord God, I know there has to be a balance between those two verses. And I just pray to God that you show every one of us individually what you would have us do. And that, again, not... I think, Lord God, it's it's just as important for you to show us as it is for us to be obedient to what you tell us. Because if you show us something and we're not obedient, then we're going to be without excuse before you. So I do pray, Lord God, that, that um, you do this for us, for we can do nothing apart from you. And we are nothing apart from you. And I do praise you, Lord God, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save our souls. Lord God, as unworthy as, as we are, I do praise you for that. I thank you for that. I praise you and I thank you for putting us in a position where we can put forth truth, where our eyes are not blinded, Lord God, to these things. And I do pray, God, that you would do the same for multitudes and multitudes of those in the body of Christ and those that need to be saved. I pray that you bring us back at the next appointed time and that every evil entity that would try to hinder this prayer in any way, shape, or form would be bound and rebuked and cast into the abyss in the name of Jesus Christ. I do pray that, Lord, your angels would encamp around about us, Lord God, and that the sword of the Spirit would be in our mouth, Lord God. For you said in your word, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. In Jeremiah 23:29. I do pray, God, that we would serve you and not man. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.